Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person who is making our introductory music noises with his mouth is Ken Nabsock, a beautiful rendition 
of, I believe, the time grappler defiantly uh, playing the metal while also kicking a stormtrooper to their doom. I was going to highlight this towards the end of the show. Neil Bell is the actor who played the time grappler. He's now one of my favorite Star Wars actors and characters. I think you as well, Joseph. And I count that moment as one of the best moments in the history of Star Wars. All right. Yeah. Perfectly? Maybe. No, not today. That was great. That's no, no, we will. We will spend half of our episode talking about that moment. Uh, I took some screen captures of a lot of the 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 playing the, the close up of the of the metal. Oh, it's, it's kind of it's rivers of of molded steel. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. I I want to take that screen capture and sort of plaster uh, my walls like a stereotypical mm. teenager of time grappler. Mm. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely great. Uh, we are here today to discuss the final episode of season one of Andor. This is episode 12, Rick's Road, written by Tony Gilroy, directed by Benjamin Caron. It is about 47 minutes of actual story, uh, minus all the credits and intros. And in the addition, uh, also a short post-credit scene is almost in all of social media is posting right now letting you know not to stop watching the credits, which I have mixed feelings about <laughs> myself. I know it is meant as a service to make sure nobody misses uh, this uh, very important post-credit scene. Uh, but also, I like being surprised by post-credit scenes. Uh, how did you feel about that, Ken? Um, I'm with you. I, I, I'm going to admit, right, I, I love this episode, so we'll start there. But, but I've, I've been in grumpy for 10 weeks and some weird things, just a lot of things in life. Uh, you've got stuff, I got stuff. I I I did not like people going. I've already seen it. I can't wait for you to watch it. And hey, there's an end credits. I didn't like it. But I'll say this, Joseph. I also remember forgot uh, or missed the Boba Fett um, Mando season <laughs> thing, and I had to go back and watch it. So uh, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to go sip some uh, um, vegan eggnog, which is great, and I love it. And and I'm going to calm down this uh, this Thanksgiving and, and just get back to a place of joy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. And I think uh, I saw so many people who I think really did were posting it from a place of, hey, don't miss this. Don't oh, make the Mando season two Boba Fett mistake that some of yeah, you made. That I uh, did. All of it, love. And, and, and you're all right. <laughs> I'm wrong. Yes. Yes. But as somebody who sits through the credits always on almost all things, uh, mm -hmm. I, I didn't personally need the boost. But thank you to everybody who is trying to help other people because, hey, that's one of the big ideas in Star Wars and in Andor. Uh, we always like to set the scene, share our experience of watching the show, any rituals, any moods that might have affected our first viewing. Uh, we're lucky to be on the West Coast so we can watch at midnight or they've been slipping it on old Disney Plus uh, a little bit earlier. A little, yeah. little of the 1152 action has mm -hmm. been happening mm -hmm. <laughs> for me. So, Ken, you already uh, suggested a little bit of your emotional state mm -hmm. that you're in need of calming a vegan eggnog. Uh, <laughs> set the scene for me of your viewing of this final episode of Andor. Which vegan eggnog might make other people grumpy, but it, it allows <laughs> you to continue drinking eggnog. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're going to do a big wrap up, a live show later today on the time we day they recording this. We're also going to wrap up Andor with, with Jennifer Landis. So I, I'm going to be more honest about where, where my state of mind has been during this show. But it's all positive. I love this show. And people forget that. I love this show. Um, but I made sure I, I calmed myself down. Last week, I mentioned I was playing with our, our mutual friend, Ken Plume. We, we, we've been obsessed. I've been obsessed with playing Fortnite. Uh, you know, I, I go through those weird modes and, and that game gets you a little aggressive. <laughs> you, <laughs> you pick axes, you're, you're shooting shotguns and you're running around and there's tension. 
And last week I went like 1150 and it was like, all right, I got to go watch Andor. And I, uh, and the, that episode was not that it was a different episode. I wasn't in the right mindset. So I made a point by 11 o'clock my time. I was like, um, Ken, Ken Plume. I said, I've, I've got to go and I'm going to go relax and I'm going to have a cookie and I'm going to have some more eggnog and I'm going to get ready for the end of the finale. So I went into it with open mind and, and, and uh, that's how I got it there. And I was, I was as very excited to see an episode about Rick's road, the 1993 album from the Scottish blues uh, rock pop band, Texas. Uh, but it out, <laughs> it's not that. And I said, I've, I watched with subtitles on the rewatch, but I had missed that Rick's road is R I X, which makes sense for Star Wars. I thought it was Rick's road, the name of the, Texas album, one of my favorite bands. So I, I learned that this week. So <laughs> that was maybe a sequel to Casablanca instead of uh, Rick's Cafe America, Americana. He's uh, yeah, he's like, got a road now. <laughs> this is not Charlene Spiteri's vocals do not appear once in this episode. But yes, robbed, robbed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that that is all very very understandable. Uh, yeah, for a while there, I want to think in the far flung year of 2018 when i was playing uh battlefront 2 a mm. lot i had like mm. one of those days where it was like hey uh somebody just like came up behind me and i was like whirling and like trying to hit the imaginaries and buttons in front of me to bring up my blaster and like oh you're playing that video game too much man yeah <laughs> you gotta <laughs> calm down so i understand it it seeps in mm. um as it does yeah, no, I think uh, for myself, I'm looking forward to our live stream. I'm looking forward to our wrap-up episode with Jennifer. We'll be able to see Jennifer's uh, thoughts. That'll be coming uh, next week. And we'll kind of dive into, I think, not only the show, but some of the discussion around the show and all that. But um, I was really excited for this uh, episode. I thought the previous episode did such a great job of sort of teeing up the stakes of it isn't going to be a raid to oust the Empire from Ferex. It's not, you know, nobody's trying to blow one specific thing up. You know, it is a confrontation at a funeral. And that had me really excited for, like, these are the stakes. This is the perspective of this big uh, finale. So I think I went in really excited. Uh, I have had a, an extremely stressful week. I was lucky yesterday that like a couple things happened where some of the the stress broke a little bit mm -hmm. um, and I was able to calm down a little bit and I actually uh, fell asleep uh, for like an hour and a half on the couch. It was like 10 <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to I'm going to sit here and poke at uh, social media. I'm going to play with Hive uh, until Andor and uh, fell asleep <laughs> and then uh, woke up, you know, did my ritual with my action figures. I set out Andor. B2 Emo, Shore Trooper, just in case one got lost and ended up on Ferrex, uh, some Jack Daniels. And I was really, I was really in the zone. I was like, mm. I'm excited mm -hmm. for this. I'm rested. Now I'm ready. And I enjoyed the hell out of the episode. Um, I, I did have some, some tears here and there at some of the really intimate moments. Um, not as many laugh out loud, funny moments, uh, but I did a lot of, mm, mm, <laughs> Mm. Uh, I've been making that noise a lot when it's like, it's, it's not, it's not laughing. It's not shock. It's to, this is how I express ooh, emotional, uh, uh, movement. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, but then I got so pumped from that episode. I was totally, you know, uh, Dak Ralter from empire strikes back. I could take on the whole empire right now, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. that, I, I always finish the episode. I write down a lot of my notes for what we're going to talk about right after my first viewing. And then I'm usually real sleepy and ready for bed. Mm. Ken, I had to get up and do laps in my apartment. <laughs> Not running, but just walking to tire myself. I, I, I had such a hard time calming down from this episode. Okay. Uh, maybe I was listening to Marva's uh, metaphorical message of don't mm. sleep. Uh, and I took it literally. Mm. 
As you should, both, like literally, figuratively. Great moment. Uh, that's amazing. Love it. Yeah. So a, a good and interesting journey. That was where I was at. Let's talk about our overall reaction to the episode. You love it. You like it. Struggle with it. Surprised by it. Uh, felt it was in the pocket of what you expected. Where did you go? I, I um, loved it. Uh, loved it. Uh, I think I was surprised. Interesting to surprised by it. I think where it ends up, and I think this was an excellent point you had uh, started to really discuss in detail last week about how this all ends in a funeral is probably a surprise to the Ken who was watching episodes one, two, and three. Mm. Uh, And in a way, I mean, it starts on Farrakhs and everything like that, but you know, I I think I took it as um, I took this whole series as it was going to be a little bit more. We got to get the empire out of here, which by the way, you know, is, is a big theme, but, but Mm -hmm. the fact that a funeral is so personal, so poignant and, and that, that being what's at stake, uh, the community, the people, uh, you and I both are going to discuss a moment we we independently loved, which is uh, a hug to save the galaxy. <laughs> the fact that this episode ended up being that was not a surprise over the last couple of weeks, but it was a surprise going back 10 weeks when the show debuted. And I, I really felt that there and I really loved that. Uh, and the tension, the tension of Wilman Pock building a pipe bomb at the beginning was you've, that was a great way to set the tone of what was coming. <laughs> Things were about to explode. And, and this show has been very clear about what it wanted to do and what it was doing this entire season. And this finale it was just driving all that home. And I really felt that the slow building tension with the big emotional uh, payoffs, no funny business, just the core themes of Star Wars delivered in a, in a blunt fashion, which is great. Uh, I do think it's still the core themes of th- Star Wars that are present everywhere that are being played with here in a, in a different way. And I love it. Uh, and, and and this is something, you know, you talk about the different, the intersection of, of, of the personal and, and the bigger picture, all that stuff. But this stayed on the streets of Ferrix, but really gave us a look at, at every spark of rebellion in the galaxy. And I felt that I had a lot of, I, I, I think I went to bed going, yeah. And then on Lothal, this is happening. And then who knows mm-hmm. what's going on Alderaan. And, and I, I really think they handled that well. Uh, and, and and the finale brought us all home. By, and I think one of the surprises, talking about surprises, was the way this pushed us onward and forward. Bit of a classic, some cliffhangers, some plot cliffhangers. I don't know why. I, 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 I'll, I thought Gilroy was just going to kind of kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. And I think a lot of us were like, eh, let's get ready for this. And and they didn't. And I'll talk about that thematically. But just in terms of a, a finale, I, I was like, OK, I'm more I'm more I was going to be excited for season two. But I'm like more set up for it than I thought. And I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I was perhaps not as emotionally moved as, as others because that episode 10 was. You know, you ever have those where you cry in life and then you reach a point where you're like, I just, I just can't cry anymore. <laughs> episode 10 was the episode I watched five times in one day uh, on the day we recorded. I even out, oh, oh, I'm going to watch it again while I upload the podcast episode. That one moved me the most. And I've just kind of been in this uh, uh, emotional uh, recovery period since then. But <laughs> I really enjoy this. And I think more than being, you, you, you're right to be inspired. Uh, I was, I was inspired to go kick people, which is not always the best thing. <laughs> We're talking about Luther and what we think about some of his stuff. We all don't need to be saws, but I, I, I this episode hit me in that. In that yeah, way. no, I mean, I think this episode did surprise me. It did move me. One of the ways it moved me is yes. Where can I sign up for the fake fantasy rebellion of star Wars? Uh, it also mm-hmm. moved me in, you know, I think Andor is being uh, very savvy and nuanced about it, but I think it is following the Star Wars tradition of being didactic, of a storytelling that is meant to teach, meant to encourage. Yeah. Um, and I think this episode is, it is hard for me to look away that this is a message about not looking away. 
And mm. for me to like celebrate that, to see that, celebrate that, talk about it on a podcast. Mm. I, I also kind of it was left with this like, great, how can I do more? What should I do differently to make sure I'm not sleeping, right? Uh, right. To make sure that I'm pointing out and helping with, you know, actual horrors in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about kind of the the blatant uh, socio-political realities of Andor being a little bit more tied to the real world. And I felt that a lot in this episode of like, I want to listen to Marva. So that par- partially makes me want to, you know, go buy more action figures <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and wish I could, you know, hop in an X-Wing and all that and, and absolutely kick the person who tipped over a B2 emo. <laughs> but also, you know, oh, uh, what, what should I be talking about uh, on mm-hmm. social media? What other, you know, mm-hmm. volunteering things can I do? All that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. I be a, a help to the conversation uh, yeah. on, on important issues? So it definitely affected me in that way. On the emotional side, I, I still get you what you mean because I sometimes get to that point of like, I am done with emotions and I I watch a comedy and say, that is very funny. I, it's very well constructed, well done. Uh, yeah. and sometimes it's like, that is that is very moving. That is very emotional. I'm very sad. Uh, but I'm all out of emotions. Yeah. What always yeah. gets me in general, but particularly in Star Wars, is when a character is given what they need emotionally Mm -hmm. and there were some moments of that um that that really really got me uh brasso passing on the message from marva to to cassian that was exactly what cassian needed to hear those are the things that that moved me so i definitely had some some teary Mm -hmm. moments um on the sort of thrill level uh finally the hood shot (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of uh, shots from the trailer that I didn't realize were the last episode, including Luthen putting that hood on with his entire back and in his entire soul. What a shot! What a way to put on a hood! Uh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, but then I'm also with you. I think my biggest overall reaction was I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't a bloodbath for the characters we've come to know. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the show revealing what it's in tent is in terms of the overall show not just this season or this episode but the overall show there was a a question in the air to me of like it's called andor it is clearly a a a group show where we're following lots of different people um but are we going to follow different ones as we jump through time a little bit more in season two and all of these different groups of people surviving you know, the Ferrick survivors, Brasso, uh, Williman, uh, B2, Bix, uh, Dedra and Cyril now being united is a possible couple of awkward authoritarianism. Yeah. Uh, Luthen making it through uh, the, the tortured romance of Vel and Sinta, uh, Mothma's increasingly broken home. All those things were like cliffhangers that said this is this is where these characters end up. This is what's at stake for them. And we're moving forward with yeah. all of them. These stories aren't resolved. That was a that was an extremely pleasant surprise to me. It it really was. I'll talk about it uh, in a second here thematically. But again, just a, as a TV episode, um, I I, I, just, I needed that. I needed that. I, you know, a lot of shows in the style of Andor. I'm even looking at House of the Dragon and a franchise and world I love. Sometimes it's just like, man, this is heavy. Can we all just? get a little bit of smiles. Can someone survive the morning? Uh, and, and often they do, but um, yeah, it, it hit me in that, in that way where it was uh, the tension, you know, this, the, the, this season, this episode particularly, but 
you know, there's so, so much tension. You're, you're just waiting for the, the shoe to drop on the other side. So when they get in that, when they got in that ship and Cassian's like, all right, I'll see you. I was like, Oh God, no. Oh God, no. But I was like, <laughs> I know, I know Bix is under contract. I know there there's, I know she's under contract for a second season. Right. I heard that. Right. I write, she can't go. Uh, and uh, Jesse's piling them out there and everything. And, and they got away. And I, I thought that was powerful for the episode, but also worked uh, on a just structural level. Yeah, yeah, because it just told us a little bit more to me about what season two will be and that we're going to continue to watch these characters' journeys. And if we are, as some of the, I believe Gilroy has said, we're, we're marching Cassian up to the door of Rogue One, mm-hmm. that there's going to be some, you know, is there a final showdown with Cyril, you know, in the moments yeah. before Rogue, before he goes to that meeting yeah. <laughs> with Jin, you know, mm. uh, that gives the show some structure as well. Mm. Um, is really fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I think the the other surprising thing about the episode that I really enjoyed is all these characters that we've been following came into this funeral with their agenda about what they need out of it, what they want out of right. it, right? Um, and Andor, uh, who hasn't always had a ton of agency in episodes because of the nature of what this story is, is of of yeah. somebody you know have, struggling to commit. Uh, means that we have a main character who a lot of times is just going with the flow, not making choices. Um, in this episode, Andor is making choices and it gives it this electricity and it's this energy. Kind of Andor aside, everybody comes into this funeral kind of trying to make it about them, their specific need. And I love that the story of this episode is the people take over. That yeah. what happens is motivated by the people and Luthen and Cyril and Dedra and even Cinta and Vel up to a point, they get washed up. Their 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 chess game gets knocked over by what the people need and want. Uh, I really love that. I love that. If, if dive in for a second on that because there were some moments I, I, I like. I love. There's a shot towards the end when Luthen's kind of uh, kicking rocks and getting out of there. Not that not running away, but just kind of getting out of there and. And he's he's kind of looking back and he's just hearing and seeing and feeling what happened, right? And mm-hmm. that kind of this wonderful reaction of like it's weird. Like he, it's almost like he started it and is like, Good job, I'm out of here. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. But it had that vibe, you know, and I, I was just really stuck on that moment. I, I freeze framed it. It was just kind of like, what is going on here? I love what you're saying. That that this takes over. It is about the people, it is about this connection, it's about these communities. And all that tying to Andor, I, I love that note too, because I felt this was now he had a lot of moments in the prison too. I'll say this. He came Absolutely. in on purpose. But I think more than any other episode, you ever you ever like you, you got a friend of a friend and everyone's like, This guy's great, and you meet him and you're like, him? Uh and maybe <laughs> I'm that guy in some circles. I don't know. But uh, Cassian, a character I love, and Diggle is killing it. All season has kind of had that like him? Like what he's kind of a mess up. He owes most everyone money. He's kind of wears sandals in public, which is a no no for Ken Napsack. Uh he's doing all this stuff like him. And this was the episode you're like, yeah, him. He just felt that energy. It crackled, like you said. And and he ends up in a pretty powerful spot. And and I loved I love that. And I felt that and I love what you're saying. All roads led to Rick's road, and uh it kind of didn't matter what you want out of it. This was gonna happen. Yeah, I, I think with Luthen, I almost took that. It, it, I know what you're saying about Cassian, and, and I, I think this episode does such a great job. If he has these sort of inherent skills, we see a little bit more about where mm-hmm. he learned them, uh, and he and we see them kind of use them, but not fully commit. And now yeah. he's he's in. Um, yeah. But with the Luthen thing, you know, there's so much in this episode, and we will get into the details. Uh, that's about um, a need to control, 
And mm-hmm. Luthen's story, I think, has been about how do you how do you fight the fight without losing your soul? Luthen's given speeches, you know, in a dark cape in the bowels of a corrupt city planet, Coruscant, mm-hmm. you know, about how he's accepted he's damned. He's going to use the tools of the enemy. His soul is gone. He's going to do what needs to be done. So you kind of marry that with what this episode is saying about it's not natural to want that much control over a situation. And I almost feel like it's a little bit of a slap in the face to Luthen of like the rebellion's been his. He's that's why he's talked about it. That's the way his acolytes have talked about it. It's yeah. his rebellion. And he orchestrated Aldani to get the Empire to react this way. And he here he is caught up in the middle of a of a situation that he didn't make and he doesn't control. And is it a little bit of a step back to, to him to honestly be like, you are not the boss of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. You don't control this and trying to control it too much mm-hmm. is a way that you are tipping into becoming the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm there for that idea. Uh, I think you and I both number one, love Luthen. I don't want anyone to forget that. We also, mm-hmm. it, we also think he's posing more questions where I think a lot of people think he's the answer. And, and, and that doesn't mean if you found his speech in the, in the bowels, of course, on inspiring, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong for you, especially if you take it out to the, the real world. I just think as a character, uh, it wasn't as inspiring for me as other speeches, particularly one in this episode. But to see him, that smile, that moment, and just kind of, I think you're right. This this isn't his. I, I love that idea, uh, which isn't uh, an indictment of Luthen. It's just it, what is needed in the galaxy. And it is not just one man's rebellion. Uh, yeah. Even though he was trying to pull other people in, and that's what he wants, and that's where we end up. But, like, yeah, I, I, I when I say, like, it was run away, not, like, cowardly run away, but it's like, I, I was. It was real poignant to me that he never pulled out a weapon. He never joined the fight. This maybe wasn't, he felt it wasn't his. It's a community. He's also there to kill Andor, which is something else. And he's witnessing this. And that idea of of, of him being one who's so willing to sever connections. And we see Ant- Anton Krieger's gone. He's a mm-hmm. red flashing light on a screen and there's cheers and celebrate and they're watching it like it's a, a video game. Uh, you know, this is, this, this true rebellion is beyond it. It's about connections. It's about that hug. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think, uh, I am not beaten up on Luthen's speech. I love it, but I love it because I think it's at least partially a, a, a rhetorical speech he's making to himself to pump yeah. himself up and to convince himself that he does believe all that and he's right to believe that and that there is no other way than to become the enemy in order to destroy the enemy. And I do think that the show has really wrestled with these ideas. I don't think it's really put its, its uh, mm-hmm. you know, thumb on the scale yet and, and is, you know, blatantly telling us. Uh, I think it's blatantly telling us you know, how tyranny works and why tyranny is wrong and why it should be fought. I think it's, yeah. not, it's putting its whole body on the scale there. Yes. But on the how do you fight tyranny without losing your soul, I think it's throwing ideas out there. It's showing us things. And I think at this point in the storytelling, it's letting us weigh them a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm certainly weighing it for myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, and other people might not be, they might weigh it in a different way. And that's, that's fun. That's part of this discussion. I think this show has done such a good job of just stripping things away. And, and, and I've, uh, one of my favorite things about the show is it's just said, Hey, here's some, here's some big themes. And now, you know what? You're right. We don't get to hide it, hide those themes behind a rancor uh, or this and that. And, and I've had some issues with the discourse around that, but for this show to do it, 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 it's doing what you talk about here. It, it's, it, hey, weigh your options here. Let's talk about this. 
Yeah, you can't look away. It is a tribute to how uh, rich and complicated and interesting Andor is that we try to do our short overall reaction. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. And we slide into all the big ideas. So uh, <laughs> let's let's dive into the big ideas, the, the themes, the ideas at stake in this episode. Uh, Ken, do you mind if we, we start with this idea that we've been tracking over mm-hmm. the show of the, the personal and the ideological? Yep, I love it. So uh, as we've been saying multiple episodes, it's been something that really struck me when I got to watch those uh, first three episodes uh, together, um, mm-hmm. that it, was, it really felt like, oh, what's interesting about this show is uh, we're meeting uh, rebels and, and soon-to-be rebels. We are meeting imperials, but really seeing uh, the personal relationships that uh, motivate them toward the cause or the personal relationships that they're sacrificing for the sake of the cause or the personal relationships that should be leading them into a cause, but they're stopping at the personal and not moving on to the Mm -hmm. cause. Uh, I think, so I think that's something I've just been really interested in. And I feel like this episode absolutely hinges on on that idea. It can be read lots of ways, but that's the one that really uh, spoke to me uh, because it is a funeral, uh, something that should be personal. It should be a community event, uh, but the actions of the empire and the the sort of uh, desperate uh, tactics of Luthen's rebellion make it a battle, make a funeral into a clash of causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just like the framing of the episode itself. But then I feel like um, Cassian's at the heart of this, right? Because mm-hmm. I think his challenge throughout the entire show has been uh he loves people and he wants to be with people he wants to care for people this entire show all of these events are kicked off because he is looking for his sister he is looking Mm -hmm. for lost connection and he takes a horrible risk uh to, to try to find that and this is the episode uh, and, and then Luthen comes in and Nemec and everybody else that he meets uh, trying to push him towards, okay, if you care about people, the Empire is crushing them. So why don't you do something about the Empire with all these skills you have? And he keeps going, nope, I can go somewhere warm and easy and it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and this is the episode where Cassian, Cassian finally merges his care for people and his commitment to the larger cause. He gets on the ground and once he figures out what has happened to Bix, that becomes the priority for him. Rescue Bix, rescue the person close to me who is suffering at least partially uh, because of what I set in motion. He gets the Ferrex survivors to safety, uh, but then that great last scene where he absolutely commits uh, to the larger cause, right? Kill me or take me in. Uh, Exactly what Luthen had said to him at the beginning of the Empire's going to kill you one way or another. Do you want to do something about it? And he's like, hey, I'm with you now. Now I'm now I'm Mr. Layout, two options, and you get to choose, Luthen. It's such a great <laughs> reversal, right? Of you came here to to kill me. I, I guess that's the kind of rebellion you want to have. You came here to kill me because you don't, you know, think I'll leak information. So kill me or take me in. I'm all in. You know, uh, that's such a great balance between prioritizing the people he cares about to then committing to that that larger cause. And I also feel like it's this battle inside Cassian is part of Marva's beautiful message mm-hmm. that she gave to Brasso, right? Marva, Marva tells Brasso to tell Cassian, tell him he knows everything he needs to know and he feels everything he needs to feel. And when the day comes and those two pull together, 
he will be an unstoppable force for good. I feel like that is Marva saying, you know the state of the galaxy, you know the skills you have, you know what you have to offer to this cause, and you know how much you love people and how much you want to help people. So put those together and you will be this star, uh, this this sky kyber you were meant to be, Cassian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I think that's the heart. Uh, a lot of big ideas in this, but I think that the, the connection thing they're feeling all through the show, um, it, it's hit me. The, the way they approach it, uh, I'll, we'll talk about it more in a wrap-up episode. I don't want to delay, uh, waylay our conversation, excuse me. But um, yeah, I, I felt that. I felt what she was saying. It just sounds like I'm making a joke, but I almost heard you know Dexter Jetster going, hey, wisdom and knowledge. You got, the, <laughs> you got what's going on, but now you got the knowledge of how it really hurts and what you want to do about it. And um yeah, the, the the Bix the Bix rescue was part of this. Uh, I love that, and, and and rescues are big in Star Wars. But think about them, right? Think even with Han in Carbonite, uh, Leia's going back because you know she loves him. Luke's going back. That's his that's his buddy. Think of Kanan rescuing rescuing Hera, uh, Finn, uh, his connection to Rey to rescue on Starkiller Base. Uh, Chewie, you came for me in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Yeah, all that is those those are Star Wars adventure pulpy rescue moments. Cassian's again, it's it's the same thing, just delivered different in a real broken down. Uh, Bix in a horrible spot. Just the tortures happened to her, uh, and I love what you're saying. I love that it is about that, and then he gets them all out. And I think the Cassian in Episode One, if that had happened, right, he's on that ship. Let's get out of here. The fact that he's now committed and wants to go commit and, and, and the choice at the end of, hey, you might as well kill me because otherwise, what's the point here? Uh, or take me in. Ah, I loved it. And that's that's was the big victory of 12 episodes to get to that moment for me. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And and I think it is a good contrast because, you know, w- would Luthen, Sinta, Clea just assume Bix is lost? I mean, after what she's been through, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Cassian, you're more valuable. It's, it's you know, it's brutal, but it's got to be done. Leave her be, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is such a, a huge part of the story of Star Wars is how do we fight without losing our souls? And I feel like that that's what Cassian as the main character, you know, mm-hmm. is is coming to in this episode. Yeah. Um, I also thought this idea of the the personal and the ideological coming together was reflected in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much uh, about the culture of Ferrix that I'm sure we're going to talk about, but I was really affected by them. The, the thing that they the, were chanting, mm. stone and sky, right? Mm-hmm. Even that is a thing to chant with what they we know about their culture. It, it, that felt to me like supporting this thematic like the stone is the the grounded the personal the down on the earth the real materials and the sky is the epic the cosmic right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so even even that chant was sort of like us all together down here the real people on the ground matters in the big idea the galaxy what's out there that matters too the little people and the big idea they both matter it was just inherent even in them chanting stone and sky to me uh, absolutely, hundred percent. Uh, it's a great John Lennon lyric that he never wrote, uh, and uh, it's also uh, this idea. I mean, her her speech. Uh, I know it's it's a four center T shirt. We're gonna get into it, but uh, uh, it should be a T shirt. But her speech, but the idea of like we always had Farrick's, 
But now that darkness from the outside, from the sky, has come to our stone here. And, and you've got to, you're defending both now. And that's what's at stake. And, and that's what the, the big wake up speech was about for me. Yeah, it reflects in other ways. I, I, I don't want to leapfrog too much to it, but just to throw it here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, let's just talk about Marva's uh, speech for a moment. If you, because uh, I think that's a, a great point to go. And then we can go into all the other places. Um, Love, it. Love it. Yeah. So I, I thought Marva's speech was was great on many ways. I thought it was the one of the greatest uh, rebellion uh, recruitment speeches I've ever heard. I thought it was one of the best just get out the vote speeches I've ever heard, you know. Uh, and I feel like she's obviously speaking to the entire community, but it's also yet a moment where another moment where she's kind of speaking to Cassian. I think um, Cassian is so uh, wants to beat himself up for failing her. Right. Cause he so doesn't want to fail the people that he loves. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Marva's speech, she gives that great message to, to uh, Brasso, which is the one that made me weepy of, you know, uh, uh, I love you more than anything you could do wrong. But in this big public speech, you know, from from beyond the grave, which appears to be a great tradition of Ferrix, she is gently criticizing what Cassian has been doing the entire season, right? Mm -hmm. And saying that connection is strength, it is great, uh, but it's also comfort. And if you say, all I care about is the my people, the people right next to me, I got I got mine in terms of emotional comfort, then I can ignore everything else. If I got the stone, I can ignore the sky. Uh, trying to look, you know, to only caring about the people close to you and not the cause, I feel like is, is what she was saying. We've been mm -hmm. sleeping, we've had each other, Ferrex, our work, our days. Uh, but I think Marv is also critiquing herself, right? She's pretty explicit about it. I've been sleeping, yeah. she says. I've been turning away from the truth uh, I wanted not to face. And I think it is a, a balm to Cassian of like, look, we, this is a temptation uh, to, to just want the people close to us and to not care about the big picture. It, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a way that we can bury our heads in the sand. And I think it's, it was so powerful. Uh, you know, if you connect it back to everything we've learned about Marva and Clem, right. That Clem was trying to teach Andor the lesson. Don't get involved. Accidentally got caught up in it. Was hanged in that square and for however many years marva wouldn't even walk in that square mm -hmm. and now here she is larger than life saying don't do what i did i woke up too late you know in the square that i wouldn't even walk on because i couldn't look at the truth of what the empire did to my husband mm -hmm. i just thought that was it was such a great, inspiring speech, but then built into it was also the sort of mea culpa from from Marva. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, uh, bringing in the Clem stuff. Um, you're, you're you're now you're affecting me. Now I'm getting sad. <laughs> uh, and even his speech at the beginning here, the the use of oh. the, the different uses of rust. Uh, uh, look beneath the the rust, and the rust can cover it here. Uh, I love that. And by, by when I say different, I think those those two versions of rust in their speeches very much intersect uh yeah. the darkness being the rust and some people don't want to look beneath that, that rust uh yeah absolutely love it. i didn't write down every moment in her speech i didn't have time this morning but i, I kind of <laughs> almost every other line but um you know uh the moment they pulled away we forgot them because we had each other we had fairies but we were sleeping i think that speaks to what you're saying stone and sky great example whether or not uh, they actually mean that every time they chant it but i think it works that way uh, uh, thematically of, of again the foundation and then the bigger picture uh, uh, very, very important stuff. I, I, I this is no, dis no, I, I want to be clear. You and I love Luther, love Stellan, Scar, Scar. Uh, no, just 
no disrespect to Luther. He's my man. But her speech, much like Kinos, was just truly inspiring. It was about the community. It was about the heart. Looking inside, outside yourself, all those big things. It wasn't about anger, resignation, which is a little bit of somewhat lucid. It was a it was a take a step forward. And I think a lot of stuff with Marvin this episode falls in what I, I put in a category of learning from the past but going forward. A lot of that bronze mm. Cassian was it's not it's not kill the past. It's not let the past die. Uh, you know, kill it if you have to. It is like yeah, yeah, you did this, and you're gonna be. I know you. You're gonna beat yourself up for this, but don't. Don't, because you have all the things you need and you need to go forward and take those failures as well as those successes. Take who you are as well as who you aren't and go forward to be better tomorrow and be better for others uh, others as well. I think that was at the center for me of what Marva was saying as well. Absolutely, because I think Marva even shows like a, 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 there's a practical protection of Cassian, right? Of like not letting anybody know he's from Canari, right? Like, but she's telling him, don't look for your sister. She's gone. Don't let anybody know you're from Canari. And I feel like, you know, what she's saying in this speech is is so honest. And, and uh, yeah, I, I love Luthen's speech, but I think he's pumping himself up. I think he wants to believe those things he's saying to uh, to Lonnie, you know, and, and he's trying to make himself believe them and act on them. There, his pain is honest, but I feel like Marva's speech is so honest, even down to the like, I'm not sugarcoating it. Maybe the fight won't work. <laughs> yeah, yes. But but how can we not? How can we not? And this is what I've come to. And and I've you know I've been played it maybe overly safe, you know. Mm -hmm. But you got to take that the risk. That you got to look at everything honestly. It, it's such an honest speech, which is what makes it so inspiring to me. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot to me of uh, um, of action versus inaction. I, I called my my two big themes were like fear versus hope, which was I called Nemec's lament, and then action versus inaction, Marvis lament. And, and this mm. has been so many big things. Um, and as I said before, and I'll say again, when we do wrap ups and anytime I talk about the show, whether it's at a bar, at a hotel lobby bar in London or anywhere you find me, <laughs> all of the harsh, harsh exploration of, of how the Empire's hold of the galaxy began with this caress. I think that's very important to the story, very important to some things that are present in other storytelling. But this one just ripped back that nice, comfortable blanket and showed us here's what's going on. The, 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 those hands gently slipped around the necks of everyone. And, and a lot of that is we talk about it. I think going into the show, I wanted it to be a little bit more of the politics, the fighting. I was a little bit probably more like, uh, we go fight those stormtroopers, get them out of here versus again, the funeral thing. And you, when you started talking about it, it really affected me how I was looking at this. Um, a lot of Nemec's words, all of Nemec's words rang th true throughout this series. But mm -hmm. Marva's words brought it home for me. Uh, um, uh, her lifetime of, of of probably believing the right things but a lifetime uh letting herself fall into inaction that sleep versus action and 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 that's all about that step forward too as well for me and, that, and again that's why i just her speech was so great and you detention everything building oh my god just in terms of how it was executed and and even even when the um there's a there's a glitch in her speech right uh, I wrote that down. There's a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There's a darkness reaching like rust into everything. Glitch into everything. <laughs> the fact that the, 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 the glitch is purposeful. Uh, and, and, and it's about those uh, taking uh, action. Uh, and what's a different kind of action? And it's a different kind of uh, hold the, the Empire had in the galaxy than I think we celebrated in the 80s where it was just bad guys in the bad armor taking over. No, the citizens let it slowly seep in. Because you feel you have no other choice, as Nemec says, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, big things, big things. 
No, I love you pointing out the the inaction uh, versus action. That's such a big Star Wars uh, idea. I think it's in the very first film, right? Of of Luke saying, "It's not like I like the Empire. I hate them. But what am I supposed to do about it? It's also far away from here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's making those excuses about why he can sleep, and and Obi Wan's gently poking him. You know, to take his first step into a larger world. Uh, these uh, ideas uh, are not just about fantasy and uh you know the the hero with the sword of old there's that fantasy idea in star wars but if you really look at individual lines individual moments of the original star wars this, these socio-political uh, positions uh, of how to face tyranny uh, are built in baked into that first movie uh and, and i think what's so great about andor is saying like we are going to put those absolutely all over the surface and make them unignorable <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, you might be briefly distracted by Dr. Quadpaw, but besides that, we are going all in. Uh, yeah, these are uh, great thoughts. Um, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of these other, uh, the, the way that people's different uh, balancing act between the personal versus the cause yeah. versus the ideological played out. Um, you and I were both really interested to see what Mothma ultimately decided. We know from... The character going forward uh, that she does not want to lead uh, like the Empire. She does not want to become what she's fighting. Like, yes, violence is necessary, but also it's an alliance and they take votes and they make decisions together and people absolutely sacrifice themselves. But only when it is knowingly their own choice. Many Bothans uh, died to bring us this information, but those Bothans damn well signed up and made a choice. Mothma didn't take it away from them, right? Yeah. We know that's where Mothma is going. We know that's not quite where Luthen is at right now. So it creates this great question of how far is Mothma willing to sacrifice the personal, sacrifice her soul for the greater good for war for whatever you want to call it. And I thought it was a really interesting balancing act uh, that she handled her problem in a twofold way, both of which were sort of sacrificing family members. One was uh, framing Perrin and just like Luthen says, using the tools for enemy against them. She's like, well, actually I've been really afraid of being spied on uh, and knowing that Chloris is an ISB uh, agent. Yeah. What if I use those tools against him? So there's one that could arguably be kind of fist pumping. Perrin doesn't seem to be a great guy. It seems like that's what uh, when she brought up to uh, Davos Calden or Davos Calden brought up. I know your husband quite well. And we were like, what is he doing? Sounds Mm -hmm. like gambling. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of fist pumping of like clever, clever Mothma of frame Perrin for the way the uh, money's been moving around. But then there's this much bigger question that you and I talked a lot about of uh, in order to get the financial help of Davos Galden, being willing to potentially follow the uh, traditions of Chandrilla and marry off her daughter at a young age. How do you feel about the framing of Perrin and Mothma's choice to move forward with this uh, Chandrillan tradition of, of young marriage? Yeah, see, keeping the, the angle of, you know, we'll see where a lot of it lands, but speculating about what it means. Uh, first of all, I rewatched, so I rewatched that parent th- scene a few times um, because I was like, he's not in on it. Right. And I, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. 
new. No, and I thought that was one of my fa- favorite scenes of this of this series so far. I just absolutely loved it because I fell because I fell for it at first. I was like, oh, he's getting again. He might be gambling, but I just was like, oh, what, they're fighting again. Then I was like, oh wait, I'm an idiot. Uh, you know, spy guys is listening. Uh, I I loved it. I I, I, I love that. Um, with her daughter, the big question mark, the big wrinkle is that this this is something that perhaps she wants and mm-hmm. Lita being what she wants and Mothma having to accept that like we were talking about last week. And then I guess my question, even maybe back to you, is like, is 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 it just fortuitous? Is she just lucky that, all right, Lita's good with this. If Lita was more like Val, then maybe we'd have a bigger question and that Mothma's just got to let this happen much like she kind of, uh, sorry, Jen, the vote went this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then someone else makes a decision to fight. And it's not just that Mothma is inactive and sitting back, but just that this this is her bigger philosophy. So I don't quite know where the lead of stuff will end. For, for me, though, um, I'm, I'm glad Mothma was able to let that go, right? Let her, her own, her, her protectiveness of her daughter's natural as a mother, even though they're fighting. But that 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 did get in the way of this. But that Mothma's preserving her soul 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 as well. I don't know if that sounds confusing. Um, no, I think it's the same way that I feel. And I think uh, obviously, you know, it, it's not a hero shot though. That <laughs> awkward shot where you know Lita kind of looks back at her mom, and Mothma isn't looking at her, and then Lita looks away, and Mothma kind of glances at Lita. It's it's, it's a disconnect, right? Um, yes. Yes. But I feel like it's it's uh, when it's first presented to Mothma by Davos Galden. You know, Mothma's incredibly strong, uh, fiery. You, you, yep, Tay will show you out now. You know, mm-hmm. one of the most badass lines in Star Wars at this point, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, with the ferocity that she delivers it. Uh, paying off this whole season of scene, e- even if there wasn't, you know, a, a rebellion going on under a tyrannical empire, Mothma's in parent are trapped in this marriage and miserable, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that of course she wouldn't want this for her daughter. And maybe there are even grosser implications to it, to how ancient it is and how young these people are, you know? Uh, I think that's why Mothma and Vel detest this, right? Is it a a lack of agency? Um, You're told it's a part of your tradition, so just go along with it. So I think think Mothma is utterly haunted by it. Mm -hmm. But I think we, the audience, are shown that uh, you know, Lita is young. She's lost. She's confused. She's trapped in, in a world that doesn't make a lot of sense to her. And she is reaching back to the Chandrillan t- traditions, like a bunch of the Chandrillan kids are yeah. on on Coruscant, where they're you know kind of disconnected from the community. Like you see, the community on Ferex giving people such strength and grounding. And here's these Chandrillans who are growing up in a totally weird city planet world disconnected and of course they would sort of rebel by <laughs> grabbing yeah. on to the old ways but ultimately what it does is like yeah that's 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 Lita's choice it's this is not Mothma going mm-hmm. yep uh I agree with the Luthan perspective anything for the cause I'm yeah. gonna marry my daughter off kicking and screaming it's uh, she wants this and I need this and maybe the galaxy needs this, and I hate myself for it, and I will probably lose my daughter in the long run, regardless. But it is her choice. Um, that yeah. that because I feel like that's get when you get to the heart of it, as Mothma's always wanting to try to respect people's agency, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she respects Radis's agency. They're like, yeah. hey, he went, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Big smile. Here we yep. go. Yeah. 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 Do, do you think it also, uh, I, I think it folds in nicely to this, this control thing, right? She, mm-hmm. she not unlike Luthen here. I've got to sit back. I need yeah. this. She's okay with this. She wants this, you know, and by the way, who knows? Maybe her Lita and this, uh, this, uh, Skaldon Jr. Maybe they have a wonderful life together. Right. But <laughs> Just, uh, based on his name, which I'm scrolling down cause it, was, it cracked me up in the credits. I'm trying to, uh, uh, Steakin Scalden, like oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought Davo Scalden was a, a bad name. Like, uh, who who do you want you marry your daughter to? Steakin Scalden. Like, uh, let's not judge by names, but come on, Steakin Scalden. Jeez, uh, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting to see where all that that played out, and I think it did suggest that that's kind of the solution for now. Mothma has money flowing. If anything's weird with her accounts, it's because of old gambling parent um, mm-hmm. and she can move money around the way she needs and wants to now because she's made uh, this deal uh, yeah. that I think she is going to remain tortured about. And I think probably in season two, we'll see even more fallout from. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's yeah. And that's when I keep saying the question mark. Cause like, I just, I just love to you know, flash, flash forward after the fall of uh, uh, the first death star and you have forward. Lita's like, Things are great, Mom. This all worked well. I'm a wonderful <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, it would it, be fascinating to see. And and I, I think that Perrin was not actually gambling at that party. I think he's really like, what? What are you talking about? Like, oh, I think he has yeah. uh, slunk off and done some gambling through uh, through Davo. I think he's had some, some yeah. dark dark weekends on Canto Bite, as she talks about. Uh, it, but it's just it's so it's so believable, and I think it's just brilliant of Mothma to I, to play him that way. But I think he's like, I but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Uh, there's a world exists where where Perrin and, and Dabu Ske have have uh, gambled together. Um, uh, no, I you know I wait to do certainly no defensive pair, but I, I think that's why it works so well, and why again I had that moment where I was like I fell for it number one in the beginning, and then I was I had to specifically rewatch just to see how it was played to be like. Is, is is this is this his hero turn where suddenly he's like oh yeah okay <laughs> no it's 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 not um no. but I, I absolutely love it. but yeah i know i believe him but i believe he was just like what are you talking about i was drunk and flirting with other women at that party what are you talking about <laughs> i was doing these other jerk things not the jerk thing you're accusing me of yeah yeah love that uh a couple other uh moments where i thought this idea of how different people you know relate to the cause versus the personal uh was was really uh present um you know little things like you know even uh Nurchi, who who tries to turn andor in uh you know he's not some random guy he was mad at cassian for owing him money at the beginning that's you know the personal folding into uh this huge ideological battle um williman is you know radicalized by the death of his father you know even down to like showing the hollow of his dad of like yeah. why am i why am i a part of the cause now mm-hmm. <laughs> because of my dad, you know, yeah. um, Vel's tension with Cinta throughout this episode that also feels like a cliffhanger that, that mm. Cinta has lost that. It, it's not that just, you know, Cinta put, put forward that, you know, understandable rebellion comes first. You know, our relationship is, is for what's left after. Right. But yeah. she's, she, in, in this episode, I feel like is portrayed as, obsessed is portrayed as the cause is almost bloodlust right when she's like everything depends on it and we, we've heard that line a million times in star wars and everything of like everything depends on this and then you pull back and like murdering cassian a man who fought with us yeah that's um, what i'm really excited about that's what i can't let go i gotta 
kill this guy. Yes, and, and I'm glad she did. Goodbye, Corf. I, I really want to discuss, this is one of the other bigger moments in the episode for me. Where I, I just really think Cinta and Val are fascinating. I hope they get more time. I hope we uh, see the you know, big kiss and makeup scene and it's all good. Um, but I really think that the, this moment was an intersection of a lot of what you and I are talking about and have been talking about. This, this why are we fighting, fighting, but also who are we fighting for? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, ver- the, the reversal of early, right on the top of the, the dam in episode four or five or no six, right? Probably the, the actual heist, uh, Cinta kind of being, no, you got to push past it. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And by, by the way, there was a quite during, during the heist episode, remember there, there was the, a lot of, a lot of thought was Cinta killed the, um, hostages. And I think you and I both had that thought of hey, possibly not confirmed. So don't run with it. Like she did. Uh, there could be something there. I am now saying that she probably murdered them in a very joyful cold blood. <laughs> I am very sad to say I am now team killed them all. Yes. I, and I think I, I, I'm happy to ha- I was happy that we had that discussion and because we were we were meeting the character and we were meeting learning that she is all in. But I don't feel like the show gave us any evidence one way or the other. Yeah. And I um, think that's just I, yeah. Sorry, I just find that important in terms of, of watching things and mm-hmm. things like, 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 you know, I can make my jokes about Stannis Baratheon was never killed on camera, but yeah, I knew it would happen. But this was one of those like, hey, 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 time out. You're all run with a, something that, as it's fact. We don't quite know, um, especially because Vel had represented the other side of, oh, you think I normally. Yeah. If, if, if you were me, you'd kill me to the to the Empire. Uh, but we're not. But yeah, this one. And, but I, I really think you're right. Cinta is obsessed. Mm-hmm. To, a, to a point and i think that moment of hey look at me is 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 a needed reminder we'll see what, again we'll see what happens with them i think it's a needed reminder uh for even luthan clea look at me this is what we got the why but this is who and it's you and me and then there's others like this and this connection plays out and that's why we're fighting stone and sky if you will um but i really think there was a, a, was a poignant moment for me that the since it's done great work i was that core of kill was great <laughs> So the the Corv kill was great. I mean, and I I just thought that it was not only was she like totally committed to the mission, mm-hmm. she didn't you know denying any sort of intimacy mm-hmm. with Vel, right? Yeah. Uh, being all in on like uh, everything hinges on murdering Cassian, you know, a man who who fought with them, and like okay, maybe he's a leak, but are you even going to give him a chance, or are you just like yeah. she seems so hyped to kill a man who fought by her side at his mother's funeral, you know? Yeah. And then the core of kill, uh, which was great. And the, and the great, like, you know, Hey, there's, you've got blood on you. It's not mine. You know, that was, that was, I think a a really nice, um, Mm -hmm. nicely written. This is the debate that's going to go on between them of like, uh, Cinta, you, 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 have you lost your soul? Have you lost what you're fighting for? Are are you lashing out in in utter rage? You know, yeah. are you giving into not the forced version of the dark side, but the real human everyday version of the dark side? You have a righteous cause, but now all you have in response to it is bloodlust, and you've lost the the yeah. love and the compassion and the connection that drove you to this cause. Yeah, I, I think it's a really it's a big question they're asking. The season's been asking, but I I really think that was the purpose of all that and has been part of their relationship other than these two interesting characters that, that, you know, we'll see more of, but yeah, I, I, I was really kind of affected by that scene and that exchange. Yeah. As it ties into this. I also wanted to be sure then to talk about, uh, the, the Dedra and Cyril, uh, <laughs> meet, meet cute, meet disturbing, uh, meet what meet. Yeah. Uh, 
so I had been talking about like I wonder if you know Dedra is a character that they they played with our emotions, mm-hmm. they made us understand her perspective and her situation, uh, and then they really dropped the hammer of she is a all in fascist who is willing to lie, murder, torture for her own advancement. Uh, we don't know anything personal about her of of if she just was born in the system. Or if something happened to her that made her go, this is the right way, the Empire is right. We don't know. We don't know, right? Um, But I kept wondering if, like, she's so focused. We don't see any human life outside of wanting job promotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's so focused on the the cause, the ideology. Is she ignoring the personal? And, you know, I kept saying, like, is maybe just Cyril going to stab her in an alley? And I was really thrilled to see uh, that this was the exact opposite of what I thought might happen in terms of the actual actions, uh, but thematically kind of on the nose, right? Of she is, instead of being stabbed in an alley, she's basically saved in a back room by Cyril. She is saved because of a personal connection, a a weird twisted on healthy personal connection, but it's still the personal that saves her. Yeah. How did you feel about all that? Um, well, see, the thing with Sarah, I've I've loved what uh, Kyle Kyle Solar has done since uh, the beginning. I, I really think he's doing some some of the most fascinating work because it's it's unhinged, but it's this controlled unhinged. I don't know. I'm scared of him, right? I, I'm mm-hmm. afraid of what he'll do. And I thought this was going to be uh, an episode. You know, it, 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 very very interesting. You know, Cassian dr- drove him for so much of the story, and and we, they, we haven't got that face to face meeting yet, right? Um, so interested to see what happens there. But the fact that it switched here, and it's it's bizarre, right? I don't even want to say they're Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know what it's it's bizarre. But I, I and I and, and I mean a good story to way. But Miro, Miro uh, arriving in in a Lambda class shuttle with a mm-hmm. cocky, content smile. So sure of what's going on. So sure of what she's going to get out of this. And then slowly it starts unraveling. Even or even her, her favorite bar, boss, Pat Partagaz, is like, uh, you know, hey, hey, you, what are you going to do? Get out of here. Um, Blevins rising again in power. And it ends with her shaking and afraid and uncontrolled. We talk about what, your big theme, theme up top of, of you all think you got some sort of control and you don't. It was a fascinating dark twist on what's going on. I'm not rooting for those crazy kids, but I am ready to watch what happens. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was a fascinating cliffhanger, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. I was so curious. Like, are these characters that we're going to follow through the the entire arc of this show, or are they going to have a kind of a, a bow put on them? Mm-hmm. And they're so beautifully open-ended, I think, yeah. Dark, weird, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I think that's a little bit where we're, where we're going, right? There was a yeah. a strange, almost upsetting intimacy to that scene, right? Because yeah, uh, Dedra is all about uh, control. She is all about power, and she had it quickly and violently, physically taken away from her, right, by being grabbed up uh, by by everybody. And then here comes Cyril, you know, swooping in, and you know that 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 total loss of control, not just of that, but then the like. She had power over him in every situation, you know, and even to reject his weird stalkerish, you know, uh, I have made you my everything. You you have you, your beauty has given me <laughs> hope to live on. And she's like, uh, I'll arrest you if you ever talk to me again to suddenly be rescued by your stalker. Um, yeah. And I think a part of it is, you know, we're reminded in almost this cliffhanger way of she's been rising at the ISB. So 
everybody's got knives out for her and she just uh bleeped the bleep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she every euphemism you can think of uh mm-hmm. she's not coming back a hero from this right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, I think maybe uh i i think probably what happens next is the empire brutally cracks down on ferrix but mm-hmm. uh, andor escaped she's got nothing on access her mission totally failed all that money they spent on communications mm-hmm. totally failed right and and they got some bad press if anybody from ferrick starts talking of like hey the empire wouldn't let us have a funeral for an old woman you know <laughs> yeah. so so she is suddenly going to find herself in the position that cyril was in plummeting 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 in the ranks and now we have two people who define themselves by uh control power upward mobility they are the ones who can destroy uh the the hideous rebellion this is all that cassian andor's fault whoever he is wherever he is now they're kind of in lockstep yes yeah it's it's the weirdest uh grease musical song ending ever right? <laughs> the one that i want i followed you here baby. um yeah look and look uh, the, one of the other factors here is uh you know uh, palpatine doesn't like stains uh, like this in his mouth clearly we heard that line i uh, sounds like i'm joking but uh, dedra's uh, due for a uh, business meeting at the castle with vader you know oh, funeral yeah. interrupted a planet lost. Yeah, like it's, yeah, her future has been great uh, in the Empire. I don't think right now. So uh, facet. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, like I, I don't even. This is a joke, but I was like, are we get. Are we going to get the weirdest kiss ever in Star? Like it was wonderfully bizarre energy. That that's fascinating. That's interesting storytelling going forward because as as it's been mar- it's been marketed. You know, every you, you, it's the, the first lesson you learn in screenwriting. Every villain thinks they're the hero of their own story, and they're taking that and going. Oh, it's going to be a love story, or it's going to be a victory story for these in their minds, and it's uh, it's fascinating to watch as it is disturbing. Yeah, it in yeah, I think that's the thing is like we want characters to form personal relationships. So much of this episode is about uh, saying how how personal rela- relationships lead. Uh, to strength that you want to be in the fight because you care about people you don't want to use people that you care about as an excuse not to fight you want to use them as an inspiration to fight so there's there's lots of things to make you look at you know a couple of imperials finding connection Mm -hmm. uh finding that somebody else cares about them somebody else has their back and it makes you go oh great but then you look at their relationship and go like yeah even if they team up even if they have some weird you know, uh, intimacy, how do they follow their own philosophy without eventually stabbing one another in the back? Because right. that's what this connection and this relationship is is based on, the philosophy of control and tyranny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 this maybe is not something that play yet in, in the show, but in the second season, if, if we follow them, this idea of, you know, hey, you know, here in the real world, they're all the same, right? I don't, I don't vote for any of them because they're all the same. Sure, I get it on a surface cynical level, but you you follow the empathy, you follow the compassion, you follow what the policies are actually trying to do, you follow what their actual intentions are, and that's the dividing line. We got a lot a lot of clear dividing lines uh, uh, being shown to us in this in this show, but following these two, and again, you and I were were, were one of many Star Wars fans going odd, kind of rooting for Didra, like Didra. I'm kind of rooting for, her. and the show was like, yeah, 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 that's that's what we're doing. So to to analyze that of 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 there is a difference, even though in their hearts they feel. 
this this little potential power couple feels they're doing what's right. You got to follow those other themes out and that will tell you what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it of like the, the, that I, I was with you too. It almost did feel like this was one of those moments where just like uh, these, these characters had just been through something hellish yeah. uh, and, and they needed a release of some kind in their close and intimate. And like, is this going to be a kiss? And there's a, there's a part mm-hmm. of me that's like, yeah, I'm always rooting for characters to find intimacy. But then there's also that part of me is like, oh, God, don't. No, 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 because this is not healthy. This isn't real. You, you, your ideas to each other, you don't really know each other. You're just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're eventually just going to be tools that one another uses to get something. Or will they find, is that the story ultimately, that they find a true connection? Mm. And it breaks them of some of their horror, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think you're really touching on, on something important, which, you know, for me, the reason I've been so interested in this theme of balancing the personal and the cause is, is not just analyzing a, a television show. It's for me, it's the idea that it's putting out there that mm-hmm. um, the, at the end of the day, there are absolutely uh, good people and bad people in Star Wars, uh, but they aren't inherent. They're all people who make choices. Yeah. And those choices almost always begin with our personal relationships of, you know, who do we love? Who do we push away? Um, Ultimately, in our choices, like you're saying, are the people closest to us our allies, our community? Do they give us strength? Do they give us hope? Or are they, like we see with uh, the Imperials and with Cyril, are people close to us uh, competitors, threats? Mm -hmm. Are they others to ultimately be controlled and feared Mm. and that that's the choice and that's why you know it matters uh to really look at the ideas in a show like this absolutely go awesome go get them crazy kids (laughs) (laughs) what if andrew season two opens with just like the weirdest most upsetting date you've ever seen (laughs) oh god that would be oh yeah That'd be, uh, I don't want to see it. I want, but I want Paul Thomas Anderson just to write that five minutes. I'm thinking of Magnolia with John C. Riley, Melora <laughs> Walter's character going that weird date. I oh. just wanted to open up with them both at the uh, Karn uh, breakfast table, just you know, violently <laughs> sucking milk out of their cereal bowl while Edie uh, stares on. I had given up hope that my son would find love in this galaxy. <laughs> uh, disturbing, disturbing. A uh, couple other kind of big picture ideas I wanted to talk about yeah, is, yeah. Uh, you know, I thought there was this idea throughout that, you know, the little things matter. Um, mm. There's uh, lots of different ways to say that, but um, I thought that was kind of inherent in Clem's great speech. You know, it was yeah. great to see Andor go to, uh, you know, the stone and see that it is a connection with the past. It is a way to remember. It is a, it's a building block for who, who casting is becoming literally, right? But the lesson that Clem is saying there that people don't look down at the little things, at the details, at the allegedly worthless or less than, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The man who sees everything is more blessed and cursed is, you know, really complimenting Cassian's ability for details that we've seen throughout the show. Uh, Clem I, I, says, yeah, people don't look down to where they should. Uh, you know, they don't look past the rust, eyes open possibilities everywhere. Uh, to me, that was all about, you know, uh, the little people matter too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, you know, I, my bad. I didn't want to upset uh, up your flow, your flow there. But <laughs> I, that, uh, that, that first Clem line, um, I, I, I like that needs to be on the cover of Bible. Sorry. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, no, the man, everything is more blessed than cursed. Uh, well, that's pretty powerful. 
right? Pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, we got the other side. We got Jen going. You know, you know, it's not a problem if you don't look up. And it's like this is the uh, this is a, a reminder to, to to truly open your eyes. Connects very spiritually with with Marva's speech as well. Um, but people don't look down where they should as equally as powerful. It, it was a wonderful wonderful thing there with Clem. Clem uh, Clem's a I would say a bit of an underrated character in this whole story here. But that line. Uh, uh, the man or the person who sees everything is more blessed than cursed. Uh, a reminder of, of the bigger picture. The stone in the sky, if you will. Yeah, the, the people matter. The little things matter. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. don't look down to where they should. Uh, they don't look past the rust, which yeah. is, I think that one's going to be a powerful one for me to try to express various things I'm feeling. Uh, so that obviously applies to Andor's skill set, but it also applies to just the general theme of Andor, right? Of Mm-hmm. We've told the Star Wars story through uh, of of hope versus fear, of mm-hmm. of freedom versus tyranny, and we've we've told it through personal eyes of Han and Leia and Luke and Obi Wan and on and on and on. Um, but we haven't told it in this way where they aren't, uh, you know, royalty or Jedi. You know, Han, we get a little bit of like kind of the everyday, but he's he's so cool, he's almost mythic, right? Uh, yeah. This is really really like. This is almost like um, the mission statement of the show of like, we're going to tell the Star Wars story, the core ideas, but we're going to look down uh, uh, at the rust, past the rust, right? Yeah. And this episode drives that home. The Empire is literally looking down at the local culture of Ferrix, right? There's that description of where the, the daughters of Ferrix are and the, the one a-hole and it says, oh, they're a local annoyance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, the audience, are, are, are left to revel in the power of their traditions, the time grappler, the, the daughters of Ferrix, the, the yeah. brick ritual, the wall of work gloves mm-hmm. that they march past, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Marva's speech is talking about how much the community of Ferrix uh, means to her. She talks about being a kid and when I first touched the stone, heard our music, felt our history. Yeah. That was such a, you know, it, it's right in hand to me with Ewoks and Gungans. It's just a different, more, I think, human and direct way to say it of mm-hmm. everybody matters. The empire just wants to control everything. And anybody's culture who's a little bit different is dumb and weird and an annoyance and to be controlled and shut up. And this is such a celebration of everybody matters, you know, I, I do know. And, and, and I'm just, <laughs> stop, me, stop me if I get 20 minutes. Uh, this has been one of the things that I love about the show. It's, it's touching all these themes but it's doing it with characters who are not yet in general. I know there's some specific examples, but characters who are not yet action figures. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of people stop at the door when it's the same action figures coming out to play and it's a different tone, but I'm telling you, man, boss Nass and Jar Jar remain two of the most important characters in star Wars. Cause they're saying the same things, man. They're saying the same things. And Jar Jar's speech, you say, you say people going to die. We all make fun of It's the same kind of thing to Padme. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. We've just collected those action figures or you didn't like the jokes. And so that sends me down a different path to discuss in another episode. But to celebrate what's going on in this episode, I think it's also needed for people. That's one of the things when people ask me early on, I would get text. Um, my friend Papa Don, if, you listen, if, you're, if you're listening to Jimmy, hey, uh, hey, what do you feel about it? I'm like, you know what? Here's what I feel about the show. I'm, I'm glad what it's doing because it's ripping off Band-Aids and it's making a lot of people sit down and go, hey, here's what Star Wars has always been about. And I think that's the legacy, going to be the legacy of this show. Uh, I think I get lost in the weeds of the debate. Uh, this stuff was present elsewhere. It's present in Danny Trejo's Rancor Keeper telling Boba Fett that you can, you're can, you not necessarily uh, who you're bred to be. You could change. It's, 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 it's 
there in Quill uh, telling the story of rebuilding IG-11. It's all mm. there. It's all there. Um, but to come down to these moments, and uh, that Clem speech was, was uh, it was part of the heart of the series. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. They want to know what Andrew's about? It's about looking down at the rust and finding what's beneath it and seeing possibilities everywhere. Not for success, not for power, but for helping. I think that's what's Yeah. About. Yeah. And I think it was it was in in Marva's action, right? So much of it was in it was in the parade, right? It was in the you're not going to tell us when to have our funeral. You're not going to tell us how many people can come. Uh, this is our culture. There was there was that that was so powerful in the parade. B two emo marching was one of my <clears throat> <laughs> moments. Uh, seeing Brasso in his uniform, so there, there was what the what the culture did, what the society did, right? But there's also Marva, right? This this voice from beyond the grave and learning that that was a part of their culture of like when people have have the blessing to know that their final days are coming yeah, it yeah. seems to me like that's a tradition right they record these these words and she says like when i was li- first lifted by the dead right yeah what a beautiful tradition so there's so much to to respect about their culture but then even with marva it's um mm. the earlier episodes when when uh casting comes back and is you know trying to talk her into going to somewhere warm and easy which you know we know doesn't exist marva knows doesn't yeah. exist cassian finds out the real hard way it doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore um the, i think we, we we do take it seriously as an audience but there is almost a little bit of the comedic to marva this you know older person in not great health going here at the in my final days i'm gonna join the rebellion it's it's all you could almost look at it as comic and i'm not saying anybody was like pointing and laughing and going ha 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 yeah. grandma's going to join the rebellion but there's an element of like even Cassian's like what? okay you're going to go fight the empire you're going to go you know shoot up a hotel how how, how are you going to rebel you know yeah. yeah and this is the answer she rebels you know you know, in in a way that the empire doesn't think of, in the in the way that the empire can't see past the rust of the empire sees her is like old woman wandering around looking for sewers to try to. Okay, great, right. congratulations, right? The daughters of Ferrix are a local annoyance, uh, and here she is from beyond the grave, rebelling in this way that the empire can't see, can't understand, can't stop. Yeah, and by the time they kind of see it. And and uh, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen yells, uh, "Enough! It's too late! It's too late, Rhaegar!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I, I forget his character name and the actor's name. I apologize, but and that's the thing too about about uh, huge changes in society. Uh, you can fight it all you want, but you've already lost the changes here. It's just it's just creeping out, and people got to get on board, and people got to get there. And, and and I think that's a powerful statement too. Uh, it's too late. You can yell enough all you want, but the, the marching band is at your door. Yeah, uh, Vanis Tigo, played by Wolf Scolding. I love it when, is that right? I, that all sounds right. <laughs> which one's the character and which one? <laughs> uh, I know, it's uh, it's so great. I love it when the <laughs> actors' names sound like Star Wars names. Yeah, when the, the young uh, uh, Lady Mormont is played by Bella Ramsey, you're like, what a pop culture name that. It's just the hero of yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I just want to share one of my other favorite mm-hmm. lines that, that, that got me is uh when when cassian uh finds bix right and yeah, bix yeah. is still a little confused and says marv was here and cassian says wasn't she great mm. Uh, mm. It, it just you know she she was so powerful in this episode and, and it really was about the not uh you know looking at things on the surface and dismissing her because she's just you know an old ill person what can she do yeah. um 
and, and then I think this other way that that the sort of the the little things, the little people matter, that was there in uh, Nemec's manifesto. You know, I was I was so glad that we got the uh, the mini podcast episode of <laughs> of Cassian listening to Nemec's manifesto, and he, there's a lot of interesting things said in it, but in yeah. particular. Uh, he said, remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. That is such a stronger together message. Mm. That is uh, such a every little contribution matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Nemec's journey reflects that, you know, his work on Aldani mattered. It inspired people. Uh, his manifesto is now a part of the chain of small actions that is going to bring the Death Star down eventually. He is a part of that chain, you know, mm-hmm. in this episode where two of the biggest speeches and the inspirations uh, uh, come from Marva and Nemec, dead people paying it forward. Mm. It sort of supports the argument that he's making in the manifesto that even these small actions, these small bits of rebellion that don't feel like everything, they do matter. Yeah. How, how many times have I barfed up on this podcast? Uh, the light side builds, dark side destroys. You say you seem to you see the same energy, right? Palpatine's. What are you going to lie about on a form? Because I could use you, or or how are you going to push this uh, this rebellion front forward? Uh, it's always at play, and I I loved hearing Nemec's words too. It was really great. Yeah. Yeah, really, really powerful, and I think really uh, also just kind of helped to bring bring everything together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, last kind of big theme that I wanted to talk about, because I think it is in all of Andor, but particularly this episode, is just a lot of perspectives on the nature of tyranny, of what is it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, I think the the show has really taken time to show the actions of the Empire, uh, the, the murder and the torture and the lies, um, but also, the, you know, the limiting of freedoms, but also the crushing of cultures. We saw that with, with the Dani, the disrespect toward their culture, right, and their planet. Uh, we saw that with the, uh, you know, Canari, uh, and we were really viscerally seeing it here on, on Ferrix. But there's a couple specific ideas um, in Nemec's speech. You know, he depicts the battle against tyranny as the classic Star Wars theme of the flowing inorganic versus the rigid and mechanical. When he says, freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. The imperial need for control is so desperate because it's so unnatural it breaks it leaks authority is brittle oppression is the mask of fear this is such uh exciting (laughs) classic star wars uh stuff to me the idea that what the rebellion is fighting for is what the will of the force is what 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 is natural is to be able to have agency and choice in a natural cycle of life. And what is unnatural is, you know, one wizened old evil space wizard controlling everything. Yeah. Yeah. Lest we forget who's at the center of it all. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. spiritually, it's all there. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing uh, that uh, I wanted to ask you about. I loved Marva's line. You already quoted it as of there is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. And for me, I think, you know, Marva is talking about like uh, the Empire is controlling everything. Yeah, they come here and they go away, but eventually they're going to be here forever. And that that time has come now. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't escape it because it's the Empire. I feel like, you know, she's talking about the Empire. But for me, it was really powerful to kind of hear there is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy is 
Yeah, that's literally Palpatine. Yeah. Um, we've never heard his his backstory, and I don't know that I really need to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess, you know, we have some versions of it in the Darth Plagueis Legends novel, but, sure. you know, in the current canon, we don't have the, here's what happened to Palpatine. Yeah. But for my head canon, the story of every uh, uh, bad guy in Star Wars has always been something not great happened to them. They lost something. They feared something. They gave in to fear mm. and to anger. And in my head canon, Palpatine was not just born, you know, uh, cackling and <laughs> rubbing his hands together with evil plans. Yeah. Something broke him. And unlike other characters that we've met, like, uh, you know, Anakin and Ben and Ventress and Reva, who've fought back yeah. to, to try to make better choices after a, a long series of bad choices, Palpatine is, is never going to be strong enough to do. He is a wound that won't heal. Whatever wound initially led him to the dark side, yeah. he is that wound. It won't heal. And he's making the entire galaxy feel some long ago pain of his forever. I thought that was a, a really powerful way to look at the nature of tyranny. Uh, mm. Combining that with ne- Nemec's, you know, oppression is the mask of fear. That mm. tyranny is just some some individual who is wounded, who wants to take it out on everyone. Hope versus fear is my final big point, and I think it spills out of that. Uh, and, and again, whether it was... Uh, specifically referencing Palpatine? Probably not, but it definitely no. counts, right? It's definitely uh, uh, singing out about that and that that's at the center of it, the, the light and dark of all. I love, yeah, the wound that won't heal. Yeah, no, I just thought it was a great turn of phrase and I think Marva mm-hmm. means, you know, the machinery of the empire. I don't think she's like, I've uh, talked to some ancient <laughs> scholars and I know he's a Sith Lord and, you know, like, yeah. I don't think that that's what she's saying, uh-uh. but I think that is, I take that as a, is the story of, of Star Wars, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, young Palpatine gave into some fear and he is turning around and, and trying to be all powerful so he never has to be afraid and we see him be afraid again and again. He's so afraid of the concept that in, in the sequel trilogy that Luke Skywalker will just whisper to someone the word hope and he's done. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. spending all his time chasing after that fear. Uh, you know, that it's going on in, in Andor too. The fear that they'll communicate, that people will find out what we're doing, that they'll talk too much, right? There's a lot of literally trying to cover communication up in this, you know, yeah. um, trying to cover Marvel's recording, uh, Nemec's manifesto getting out there, Melshi needing the galaxy to know, uh, and and Palpatine just being this little scared tyrant who who can't let people talk to each other, or he'll lose his power. Hundred percent, and and his his two big defeats, one final, uh, all come from uh, he can't foresee compassion, empathy, and refusing to hate. He just can't because he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Powerful stuff. Uh, any other big picture thoughts before we take a quick break? I just mentioned one. That I mentioned the fear versus hope, and I think we've di- taken the dive into it. And it, yes, it shows up time and time again, as it should. And I just love this particular episode. It jumped out to me because we have Nemec's speech. Again, I called this Nemec's Lament. Uh, we got the, the the faces of the Empire that we can see because a lot of them are in the mask. We got the fear of the Empire. You just the Emperor. You just talked about that. Uh, the, the literal. Partagas going. The old boss is upset about the Aldani thing, and we got to. Just we got to get something else in there because he's upset. All of it being fear. Uh, it's a leak he wants plugged up. All of the fear. And on the other side, we have hope. And this is when I, when I actually was excited about the choice to to not, um, again, people died. Rest in peace, uh, Zan. 
Uh, I was convinced, and maybe again, we're all conditioned to believe that the, the, the Brasso would die in the middle of Rick's Road, but uh, Williman, uh, you know, uh, Paxson uh, would be uh, uh, captured. I know Pax is his last name, would be captured, right? I, I thought that. I, uh, you know, again, uh, mm-hmm. there was a reality of knowing that uh, 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 Bix, the, the actor, had, had, a, had a contract that, for season two. That got out, and, and I hate when that kind of stuff gets out. It takes us of the tension, but good for her. Um, that I, I, I didn't know she could go on. I thought that ship was going to be blown out of the sky. Right, Cassian, and we're all going to cry because he beats you with false planet surface. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The show, as dark as it's been, and at a time it's been kind of somber and too mm-hmm. somber for me in moments. Love the week to week, love it. But there's some moments of like, <laughs> I just want some joy. This this episode ended on hope, a hope for tomorrow. It shined out of the darkness, and, and I personally needed that. Uh, and I maybe others did as well. Um, and and this show, because at the time this show just pummeled me upside the head. And I think that's okay because I think we all need that from time to time. You and I are both talking about this show rips band-aids. It pulls the blankets back. You're getting up and facing the darkness. It's here. This show's not going to let you hide behind a space wizard. I get it. And, and we can talk about that in more detail later on. But I was thrilled to see that ship fly off because it was hopeful. And Luthen has a smile of, of a little bit of hope, maybe glee. As we watch people ready to stand up for the big idea of freedom in the galaxy, a lot of hope, a lot of hope shown through at the end of this. And I, I really needed that and was glad it, uh, it, it did. The, this particular episode did that. No, I, I really agree with you. I think that the show did not pull its punches on the cost of rebellion. A lot of innocent people on Ferrix horribly uh, died. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was a reality to it. Uh, I don't think that they successfully kicked the empire off and they never come back and they live happily throughout the galactic civil war. <laughs> I don't think that's happening on Ferrix uh, in my head canon, but you're right that uh, fear versus hope is one of the most central ideas of star Wars. It is, it is the two ways you can approach the, the moment right past the one we're in is, can you, do you obsess on the worst that could possibly happen? Or do you have hope that things could be better? Things could be different. And I really feel like it's, uh, you know, explicit in basically Cassian ends this first season by giving uh, to to Luthen what Luthen's, you know, kind of keeps taking away from other people is agency of like, here's a choice for you. Fear, you can kill me because you're afraid I'll spill your secrets mm-hmm. or hope you can trust that you were right about me and that I am a valuable asset and I am ready to make a difference. So, you know, what are you going to choo- choose, Luthen, fear or hope? And you know, Luthen smiles and chooses hope, and we get a season two with B2 Emo. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, no, and I think that's a great point to title up with that last moment. Um, it was a wonderful ending. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I love that Fondor. It's, my, it's one of my new favorite ships, and a uh, lot's gone down on that ship. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing exactly how much uh, the HasLab uh, <laughs> for the Fondor ship is. Uh, and on that very realistic note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss some of the canon, the action, the comedy, the whimsy, all that great stuff back in a moment. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to continue our discussion of episode 12 of Andor Rick's Road. It is so deep and so meaningful. And I also, like you, can just want to make uh, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> what band would make that song? Uh, let's talk about uh, canon cor- connections. Is Fun surprises there. Um, I think the the entire show has been 
a little lighter on, you know, some of the, the Star Wars standards, but there's a little bit of, of fun stuff here. Obviously, it was fun to see uh, the, the Lambda-class shuttle that, uh, you know, uh, Dead Ramiro comes into Ferrixon. We got some Death Troopers. Mm. We got a reference to Canto Bite. Mm. I'm sure there's a bunch of other things, honestly. I just didn't take the time to kind of, I know there's, uh, I already saw online, there's some discussion of uh, some sort of uh, time measurement system internal to the galaxy that Pablo Hidalgo introduced in 2018 and is controversial because people prefer, prefer battle before Yavin, but uh, BBY, but the characters don't know Yavin is coming. And yeah. there's already some of that going on that I, I didn't uh, have time yeah. to dig into this morning. Yeah. Um, I want to discuss the Death Star at the end separately. Yeah. Uh, but first, I'm curious how you felt about any other Star Wars canon connections or, or references. Love the Canto Bite one. I'll always uh, love uh, love seeing uh, Episode Eight represented. Uh, I so I actually have a copy of Tony Garoy's script here. You can you can hear it. I looked at it. The opening page says "Bird like ship lands." So clearly, <laughs> someone else said, uh, "Oh, it's called the Lambda Class Shuttle, Tony." And he went, "All right, put it in there." Love that. It's always been one of my favorite ships. So elegant for a, a weapon of the Empire, a vehicle of the Empire. Uh, we always say Empire is cooler toys. Hey, you know, that's uh, what I thought growing up. And and the Lambda class uh, has always been my favorite. And I love the, I love the, I, like I, a little Star Wars geek out moment. It's just seeing it beautifully and elegantly fly in to oppress people. Yeah, the uh, the old and the new. I like seeing uh, old Star Wars things in new contexts. You know, I think it's a reminder that Dead Ramiro is up there in power right now, that she's got one of those kind of shuttles as a high-ranking ISB officer. She's got Death Troopers on her wing as a high-up-there uh, ISB officer. And just the, the visual, like, um, I think Andor has been so uh, nuanced and subtle that it has kind of earned a little bit more blatant storytelling. So the day before a conflict, a storm has come, (laughs) you know, which in a sort of a lesser show would maybe be like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. It, 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 The the weather's an analogy. Um, But (laughs) here, man, was it beautiful, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. with the, that nasty Lambda class shuttle swooping Mm -hmm. in under those just tortured blue, skies uh, thunder rumbling away i thought that was great yeah yeah absolutely speaking of music that was like a springsteen song about a villain <laughs> <in the town. laughs> yeah and i love i always like seeing the death troopers i think they're a great design i like the the connection that they're you know higher up there for isb officers uh and i love the canto bite reference right because this is it's one of those moments where connectivity in in the story is is really fun and we've yeah. we heard earlier on in Star Wars storytelling about kind of scoundrels having sabacc games in the back corner of, you know, uh, dubious bars and inns. Yeah. Uh, but we learned of Canto Bite is like, that's where rich people go to play. It, mm. So it makes perfect sense that Perrin would go there. Oh, absolutely. I want that little side story. Again, there's so much things for him to do there. I bet DJ at some, a young DJ uh, pickpocketed him at some point. <laughs> I really hope so. I would love to see them, those two hanging out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else besides, you know, the Death Star at the end uh, that you picked up on for Canon Connections? Uh, yeah, not, nothing jumps out. Um, I was just so wowed by that Lambda class shuttle, and, and then the you know the the you got the the the, the storage uh, the transport one from Rogue One. That's the I forget hmm. that model uh, right next to it. Uh, no, good. Uh, no, uh, thank you everyone for the 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 heads up to stay to the end of the credits uh, because we can discuss it. <laughs> yeah, so there was that great discussion of what are they making 
Uh, and I think it was highlighted by the fact that the characters had a discussion, but we don't, you know, what are they making? Well, whatever it is, they must need it now. They must need it fast. Uh, which to me did set up the idea that we, we might learn. And I think a lot of people thought like the thing that makes sense is the Death Star. So how did you feel about this as a post-credit scene revealing, yes, those prisoners were being forced to help construct the Death Star. <laughs> I think in keeping with this show, this season, I went to dark places. I was like, man, I just got this great shot of hope. And you just reminded me that what Cassian was doing kills him. Like, <laughs> you know, yep. Like, I was like, oh, damn it. That's a shadow over this. Um, there's a fun connection. I mean, just in terms of the, I'm oddly, I, I'm one of those people that is oddly fascinated about how they built the Death Star, why the first one took so long. And the second one, like, it, it's, it's, uh, I like the credit of it all. It's just weird. Um, it's a weird little niche Star Wars like of mine to see just how the hell did they do that? Uh, so it actually seemed to put together, but yeah, it was, it was ominous to me. It was as intended, as intended. But uh, I flashed to, to Cassian on the beach with Jed and uh, maybe sad, maybe sad, but hopeful. Yeah. We got to do this fight. Yeah. No, I mean, I think for me, this episode, like we we're talking about, had a lot of here's the philosophy of tyranny here here's how to how to truly understand it we've we've seen the awful results of it mm-hmm. in the things the empire has has done the cruelty of it that prison system uh you know th- there's no ambiguity about how awful that is how much agency and control it takes away and, and how it makes people complicit in in their own imprisonment by making them you know uh, by forcing them into this system uh but this episode had such specific philosophy about what, what is tyranny? How do we define it? And I felt like this was like a, a, a it's cool, always cool to see the Death Star. It is intimately tied to this story. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that it is, you know, it, it is the death ray. They're, they're building the widgets yes. <laughs> to lock together the death ray. It was this idea of this. This is another definition of tyranny. It, it, tyranny forces uh, the people to build the tools of their own oppression, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, Palpatine, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Admiral Mahdi mm-hmm. would claim that the Death Star is a symbol of the Empire's strength. You know, tyranny, uh, authoritarianism, they're all about the strength of the leader. And that's Palpatine's Death Star. That's Krennic's tries to own it, right? He built this. Uh, Moff Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin swoops in and takes it from him. It's his uh, power. It's the the fist of the Empire. And I think by by showing us the way that at least this one part of it was, was built, it punctures that myth of of the strength of tyranny. The strength of tyranny comes from the people. It's the people's strength that built it. Uh, uh, I, I feel, um, I want to be careful about the way I say this because it's, it's a powerful thing and in a difficult word, but the truth is it's slaves that that's slave labor, right? Yeah. Um, you know, especially from the picture of Cassian who did not do anything, right? Yeah. Uh, they are using the people against their will to build the tools of their own oppression and then claiming that's their power. Like, no, that, yeah. that was Kino Loy's power. That was that old man Olaf's power yeah. that built that. And, and you, you, you can't do anything without the power of the people. All you can do is steal the people's power and claim it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a big old, it sounds jokey, but it's a big old giant yoinks from Palpatine and the empire. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, it, it was purposeful as well as just a 
connection that people probably saw coming, but yeah. 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 But I think just to me, it, it's, you know, it, it's when we get into the parts of Star Wars that are a little bit more, yeah, the, the space wizards and the laser swords and the giant floating death ball that we've all lived with, you know, for decades. And we have as an ornament, I have ice cubes shaped like that horrible (laughs) symbol of oppression. Right. And I think you made a really good point of, you know, well, sometimes once it's already an action figure uh, to quote Clem is I'm going to do a lot now. We can't see past the rust. Yeah. We can't see what we think uh, past what we think is, maybe less than this silly genre stuff Mm. to its meaning. And this was almost like a reclaiming of the death star of like, forget that you just put up that ornament on your holiday tree. Forget that you're sipping a drink with an ice cube. Is this, you know? Yeah. This is what it means. This is what it is. Please. No one send me that picture anymore of a death star barbecue. I did. I I don't (laughs) require it. I don't need, I get that every two weeks from a friend on Facebook. I don't need it. I got this. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was, I thought it was great and meaningful and not a Leonardo DiCaprio pointing moment. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Any other canon things you want to discuss before we move on? Uh, I think that's, uh, those are the big ones. Excellent. So we are going to talk about action moments. Uh, There was more action moments. I thought this was really interesting because I think action moments in Star Wars can, can be extremely meaningful, but sometimes they're also there for the swashbuckling, pulpy fun, which is a part of what Star Wars, you know, is. Uh, how did you feel about the action this episode? Did you feel like some of it was like fist pumping, exciting, and oh, yeah. or was it all too real and brutal? <laughs> oh no, actually, to be honest, I uh, there was definitely some some real brutality here, but this they they earned they they, they took twelve episodes to get to something as pure. Uh, uh, fun is this? Can I say? Um, mm-hmm. No, there was two. Um, I didn't. I, I'll be honest. I didn't write a down a lot of action moments because they all kind of it happened so fast. But at the build, the tension, it, it was it was so great. Like one of my favorite action moments is is the, the marching band picking up the pace. Like you said, uh, B two kind of leading the way. Excuse me. Um, no, but Brasso's kick, and then the the brick to the face of an imperial. It was it's brutal. That's brutal. But it was such a hero's moment that I, 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 that's, I needed that. I needed that. I needed Brasso today. I needed Time Grappler today. Yeah. I thought there was a real mix. I thought there was the stand up and fight, you know, don't let them, don't let the tyranny stop you from communicating, you know, and, and when they they, they put the code over Marva, (laughs) like, no, 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 no. And then kicking over B2 Emo. Yeah, no. Brasso's kick, and then I wrote it down as a Brasso bashes bucket head with beautiful brick of Marva. Man, that mm. that, that was a, a fist pumping moda mo- moment for me. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, so I thought we had some of those. I thought um, my single favorite action moment. It sounds like yours as well. Um, it's the stormtrooper ejected from the time grappler tower. God, just noped out of there. Uh, you know, I love the time grappler. I love how much the time grappler has been a symbol of the culture of Ferrex, which cannot be utterly controlled and contained by the Empire. I love stormtroopers falling from high places. It was everything I want in an action moment. Here's I, 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 I thought the time grappler was going to die. I just Me too. Uh, come on, and, and it's totally that like. Uh, the empire is pointing up to the the tower, almost going, you know, bring bring that down, and uh, man, it just I, I I was so pleasantly surprised by that 
not even no hesitation. I thought, oh, he's going to use the, the kick. Just get out of here. Get the F out of here. <laughs> it really was. Like, uh, the ground has some things it wants to tell you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, and this yeah, this guy, uh, Neil Bell, I hadn't really looked him up before. Just, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a working actor, good bloke, a lot of credits. But uh, he, he just won me over. He's a fan for life. Just love everything about it. And love and love that, that he didn't stop. Keeping with that, they go into the early stuff, episode three. What's that sound? It's the drums. It's the organic uh, call of the community. And it's, it's the heartbeat of the community. Yeah. And loved it. It was great. I get, come on, more time grappler. Give me a yeah. figure. <laughs> I really want a time grappler figure for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I also liked, you know, just some straightforward action with Cassie. And I liked his his blaster dive to the floor to, to take out the death trooper, you know, and. You know, we were so on his side of get Bix out of there. Uh, that was yeah. a heroic moment for me. Um, but then I did think that there was some violence that was really like, yeah, look at how awful this is. You know, yeah. Um, the the length of time that we held on Zan's uh, lifeless eyes, yeah, yeah, I thought was was good. It was it was it was needed, right? Yeah. Um, to be honest about this, of like, it's not like, yay, we we all charge up and no one gets hurt. Like, eh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah no, look, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, if we, we as a generation survived Nanta's death on Endor, so we're braced for it back. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. <laughs> Imagine, though, if you had to see Nanta's eyes. <laughs> Disturbing on many levels. But yeah, no, I, I think that was, uh, this show's done, I mean, without a doubt, done such a great job of, of, of uh, being so real and grounded and, and poignant. And, and even that, even that death was poignant. Yeah. And I and I really liked that Marva's speech and Nemec's manifesto was like this is not going to be easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is these these are the the ideas of hope that we have to look for within this. Um, and I feel like that was reflected, like a uh, you know Wilman's pipe bomb is understandable, right? But I thought that that was a great kind of image and idea that. Um, maybe fighting back against the empire is absolutely needed and absolutely righteous and totally understandable about his pain, about the horrors done to his father. Uh, but then it, it sets off all of the Imperial charges. Right. And I feel like it's just the, the show is kind of constantly trying to play fair and, and be relatively honest of like, uh, yeah, it, you, you got to fight, but, uh, but once violence starts, you can't control it. Like I thought that was what was going on in the Aldani heist too, right? No matter, they planned and planned, they tried to control it, but as soon as violence starts, it's chaos and you can only control it so much. And I think that's been an important perspective from the action in Andor. I really think you're right. So I don't want anything to sound like I'm joking or undercutting with the serious tones. But I, when he did that, I went, no, (laughs) you're doing, you're going to take, you got your own people are back there now. What are you doing? But I get it. And it was very serious and and so well shot beginning when he's building that thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's what happens. But yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's not lost to me that some of those lessons are there or should be there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to cling to uh, our mutual fan club of uh, the the time grapplers ejection of the stormtrooper is the single shining greatest action moment in this episode. (laughs) I mean, look, Brasso with that Marva brick, that brick, brick of Marva, as you said. And that scream. Oh, and that outfit too. And the marching outfit there. I, I, for some reason, I've always been, uh, I was never in marching band everything, but I've always, it's very medieval 
It's very, I don't know, Revolutionary War, Civil War, just having someone with drums, a cadence, and just so just to see a marching band kind of going into war. I don't know. It's got to be. I liked it. Yeah, no, I mean, that was great. Uh, in fact, let, let's move on to moments of comedy and whimsy because uh, I don't know where to put the instruments, um, but right. uh, they're, they're action uh, for sure. But there was also like, there was a whimsy to it, right? Of, you know, seeing these very, it's Star Wars, you know, space flutes and trombones and, you know, actual drums, but with kind of a, a different kind of head. Uh, on the actual drum and made it a little like spacey like uh, you know mm. I, I was so moved while it was happening and then i want when i watched it this morning and like one of the subtitles is i think like a marching band warms up like, yes yes you know the cultural joke is not like that you know you know it's the most badass force in all of high school the marching band right um mm. so to kind of see a marching band mm-hmm. as this you know indomitable of uh, force of will was kind of fun yeah yeah, no, again, going to this empire. The empire uh, can't see that, right? Until too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, great stuff. So uh, I wouldn't say that there were a ton of straightforward uh, haha jokes in this episode, but did you find moments of comedy or whimsy that you enjoyed? A little along the way, the the, the, the most important one happened off camera in, in my home. Uh, Grace and I were watching the couch and my fiance Grace when, when it's revealed that Cassian is back and just walking around without a hood she just kind of sighed and went dude come on <laughs> what are you doing and I've kind of it's you know I get it but like yeah in my head too I'm like cut your hair something where am I like what are you doing everyone knows you like what are you doing um, so anyways yeah well, that's great that reminds me that I need to when my uh, wife come home uh, comes home tonight uh, we'll sit down and watch this uh, mm-hmm. and she won't have seen it yet and last week when we watched it uh it wrapped up and you know she thought it was great but uh, she was moved and then she was like wait where's our friend <laughs> and I realized that she was concerned about uh b2 emo our action figure being you know within a visual range so she yeah. could uh, feel comforted by B2 Emo. So I got to set B2 Emo out for our evening viewing. Love that. Love that. Uh, yeah. I, there's some for me that, I, that not, not necessarily a straightforward comic, but just yeah. sort of bizarre. Um, we didn't get a lot of quality time with good old part of gas, uh, but I really did like his line when, when Dedro was kind of fighting back about like, there should be somebody there who can raise these issues. And he says, this was not a dialogue, Dedra. I, I wrote this down because to me, that's what I'm going to use to any to anyone that tweets or comments back to podcast promotion. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in life. Here's our latest episode of Force Center. Oh, I didn't like, I, I didn't ask you. I, po- I, pro- I Not a dialogue. I posted a podcast. <laughs> Get on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, it, that is definitely uh, one of the things that we are struggling as a society mm. uh, to determine on social media of when is a conversation uh, being invited or not. Quit uh, yelling at billboards. Yes. <laughs> I, I got distracted while recording because uh, somebody uh, had, had a response to to a post that uh, that I'll have to deal with after this <laughs> oh there we go it was not uh, in inviting a dialogue on that particular topic and yet <laughs> there was the dialogue i'm just gonna write back this was not a dialogue deadra and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so that's probably already memed but uh yeah we've got to yeah, yeah put this that not a dialogue deadra <laughs> uh the deadra i'm surprised that deadra miro is real the real champion of comedy and whimsy for me um yeah. but uh 
this is not a criticism of the episode because I think it is the whole season is so strong. The acting, the writing, everything is so strong. But there is a, a, a level of I, I don't know. There's there's some comedy to me in the way everybody comes together. It's like everybody but Mothma. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who ever watched, uh, you know, Seinfeld, you know, in the later seasons, once it was, you know, you were aware that they're bringing the A story, the B story, the C story, the D story. They're all going to be connected. There's going to be a little bow tied. It's a stylistic thing. Right. And it almost felt like, oh, this is a Seinfeld episode of Andor. Of everybody's here together watching this, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kramer's business plan is actually why Jerry can't date that lady. You know, like. love that uh and i felt like all of that came out in that incredibly bizarre beautiful tent scene when when cyril rescues uh dedra and she says you how (laughs) because i'm in love with you yeah no uh yes i'm with you on that i love that i love that that was a great moment yeah you know yeah the 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 sergeant uh what's his name i forget his name um uh, mosque mosque him drinking alone on the stairs. I was like, I feel sorry for him. He doesn't have any friends anymore. Yep. <laughs> this did not anymore. go the way he thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, love that note. I think he has the flask early on in the early season, episodes too. So I don't have anyone to switch hats with. Yeah. How did you, did you enjoy the, the hat switching moment? Uh, yes. Again, I, I think Cyril's so good in, in, a, in a disturbing way. And it's just like, uh, cause in my head, I was like, what are you hiding? Like, I don't, that's a bizarre switch plan there, but yeah, no, I, I love everything about them. I, the, the, uh, Sergeant Mosk is an interesting character. Yeah. I, I think between their almost literal who's on first conversation and their, their hat switching business, I, I really do think they're being sort of coded as, you know, early film, uh, comedy duo, right. Of like, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're scary, uh, in their intent, but they're sort of bumbling yeah. in their uh, approach. And I think that there is a, a, like these comedy signifiers of uh, who's on first broken confusion, switching hats. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is, this is, you know, early film comedy business between these two. Uh, and then <laughs> Moss sitting alone, hitting that flask. It's very funny. I oddly felt sorry for her, but like, this is, yeah, this is what happens when you choose the wrong path. You might be left alone here. It's, yeah. Yep. Yep, yeah, because yeah, it would, be, it would have been amazing if he panned over and he was watching Dedra and Cyril walk away together. <laughs> we came here to get Andor, and you've you found water. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is not really whimsy, but I just want to be sure to in, in, include it somewhere. I guess it is a little whimsical because it's got B2 emo. Uh, when Cassian says to him at the end, I'm counting on you, and B2 emo says, you, you always say that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Kesson says, and you always come through. Yeah, Aww. love that. Yeah. It was so great. It I, was so. Uh. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of speculation that that part of the the reprogramming of K2SO, which we did read about in a comic, but uh, you know, hey, they can change it. Uh, that would would involve some of B2 living on in him. I am against that because I want both droids to exist on their own. They're both. I love K2 and I, I love B2, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, no, it, they they do have a little bit of personality overlap, yeah, you know, they do. of, of kind of saying what they mean very directly um, and, and being, you know, very much, uh, I don't know, B2 Emo is like, 
they both have like a a positive like dog relationship with Cassian, but mm. like B two emo is like a beloved Chihuahua, mm. uh, like uh, yeah. you know uh, friendly, uh, a little a little neurotic, a little needy, and then K two S was like a big guard dog. But they're both like nobody touched my human, you yeah. know. Yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other moments of comedy or whimsy you wanted to talk about? No, no, that, that's 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 uh, that's it. But uh, yeah, uh, the the reframing of uh, Cyril and Mosca as a comedy duo from nineteen twenty is great. Yeah, keep it coming, keep it coming. Uh, I want to see Mosca uh, is the awkward uh, third wheel on that upsetting Dedra Cyril date. Come on, I'll be in the bar, sir. <laughs> uh, imagine Mosca asks Cyril's permission to ask Edie out. Uh, it could just keep going. Uh, we could all that. I'd like to declare my intentions on your mother's <laughs> She's a passionate one. Um, so, uh, favorite Luthan line or noise in this episode? It's, it's I'll tell you what, and uh, I, uh, I never want to step on your uh, freeze frame and uh, screenshot ability when you promote the podcast, but no. it, it, the, the Luthan scoff at the end, it's this super tense moment. It is Cassian saying, kill me or take me in. And just, it just says, scoffs. And it's losing yeah. like this. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think my favorite Luthan liner noise is probably of his hood flying up so powerfully. The hood is good. You got to have those hood skills. Uh, you know, I, I failed sometimes. You can't get the hood up or, or off that easy. You got to get it. You got to get it right. No, Luthan knows his, his way around a hood. And that was powerful. I, I'll tell uh, you. Yeah. The hood thing is, is, um, the well, the first big live showdown event that you and I, you, me, and Alex had the three match, and I came out with like a skull mask, and I was like, ah, I was trying to be the villain, and I had a, I had a hoodie on, and I had to tape the hood down to the mask because I couldn't get it to look right, <laughs> so I needed to go to the Luthan school of hooding. <laughs> Luthan's, uh, I, it could have only been better if he had said full stealth while putting the hood up. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to uh, in this uh, yes. big, big episode? Yes, yes. Big, important episode. Some of the best Star Wars out there. Oh, I totally get that. Uh, Vel runs like the Waif because she is the Waif. But the Waif for Game of Thrones, oh, which she's, wow. she's chasing Arya, had a very peculiar, specific, individual uh, run. A very unique run. Uh, and I run like a like a hippo stamping out of fire on a sidewalk, so I'm not criticizing. I, I just loved it. And then so she runs this episode, and I was like, Oh yeah, I, I that is, I knew it. I know I know it's the wave, but I was like, oh yeah, the, the wave, the wave's running. I knew that, and I forgot. And you're right; she she's got a great posture while running, a very straight back yeah. while running. Arms and knees go way up, and a straight back. It was it was uh, it was great. It's like oh, that's her. That's uh, what's her name, Faye Marseille. That's that's her run. I love it. Yeah, amazing. A uh, couple little things. Uh, I really it was rewarding on the second view to realize that the opening credits music, which has changed a little bit each episode, uh, is the funeral procession. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really cool. And playing with the diegetic, non diegetic, <laughs> is this Star Wars mu- opening theme music or is this music internal to Star Wars? It's always yeah. always fun things to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was very concerned about, I, I know that Andor and team had a lot on their plate, but um, I really want B two emo to get a new charging bed. <laughs> oh yeah. He can't be without one. I think my my favorite line from, you know, last week's episode was I'm charging. <laughs> <laughs> so I need him to be able to charge. Uh last thing that I I wanted to bring up is I really liked Cassian's change of outfit. I I thought that 
his kind of final outfit was like much more stripped down for action, much more rebel. Um, he looked more like he's in Star Wars. He looked more like an action figure. And I kind of think that design uh, was great uh, for actually kind of building him to this point of like purpose. Yeah, look, the Niamos Cassian with the sandals is is a good figure I do want. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is more to my liking, yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was a great look. So uh, we'll talk about this uh, more when we do our big wrap-up episode of the whole season with Jennifer. But uh, how are you feeling right now with any predictions, uh, hopes, dreams for season two of Andor? Yeah, so, yeah, we're going to go into more depth on this, I'm sure, a few times. So I'll just keep it kind of simple. Shout out to Joplin Septane, who is a Brasso. I, uh, we always, you and I joke, we have that joke about at the Battle of Endor, around every tree was a character you didn't know. I want Major Brasso to be on Endor. <laughs> I want him to join the Alliance. I want him to uh, become a, a, a ranking officer. And I want him to be in some fights and I want to know it. I want a comic book on Brasso's time on Endor. And he gets out. He survives. He goes back to Ferrix, lives uh, happily ever, ever after. Really loved him. Really loved his appearances. A lot of heart, a lot of soul, a lot of foundation to the story when he was there. So uh, that's my prediction and hope for season two, among other things. Yeah. Yeah, come on, the spinoff of the uh, the the post uh, Return of the Jedi liberation of Ferrix, where you know all these characters come back. And- I, I want a new sh- a new series. I'm pitching it right now, Favreau. Brassos of the New Republic. <laughs> is it is it just this Brasso, or is he cloned himself? Uh, he started a little group of Brassos. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, Brassos heroes. So we'll do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I want Carson to have a part of it too. But yeah, yeah. Brasso's buddies. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Um, uh, I, I'm very, very happy with season one of Andor. You know, when Andor was first announced, I was really, really intrigued by getting uh, a spy thriller of mm-hmm. uh, following up on Cassian's lines in Rogue One about they've they've made all of these kind of moral sacrifices uh, and they need it to be for something worthwhile and that's why they you know make this great push uh to get the death star plans and in seeing cassian in those positions where his heart is in the right place but he has to betray someone or he has to kill someone that he doesn't want to and wrestle with the greater good and i I feel like we did get that story but from other lots of other characters perspectives and this season was about cassian committing to the cause Mm -hmm. so i'm very excited in season two to see a little bit more of uh cassian as a rebellion uh, as a spy for the rebellion and being put in these sort of uh, hard moral espionage situations. So that that's a hope. If it doesn't materialize, I will let it go and engage with uh, what we're presented with. But that's a, a hope for season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also feel like since we did not come back to the inciting incident of mm-hmm. the first season, the whole show of the search for Carrie, the search for his sister, that I'm hoping that we we come back to that, even if it is confirmation that marva is correct and, and carrie's gone yeah yeah an answer would be good I, i'm with you on two on that too uh and we're gonna have chances to wrap this up again of course but the going into the season this was one of my most anticipated shows i was defending the show before when people are like i don't know cassian dies all that stuff I, who asked for this who yeah. asked for this um the story of the rebellion the story of how the rebellion came together is something that i love i love this era well, this time I wanted to see more of Mothma, and we got all of that. It just did it in such a different way, and I really appreciate that. Uh, leading into season two, though, I wonder if it is going to be a little bit more on that side. You'd say spy thriller. I, I'm talking about just canon stuff, more people you know, places. 
Gavin Moore, mm-hmm. the Masasi Temple, all that Dodana cell, all that stuff that that maybe I thought was going to po- pop up here. That it was more about that. I'm glad we got this more intimate look. That we went down to the street level on Ferrex. It, it makes it all worthwhile. It is a reminder of who we are fighting for, just as much of of of, of what and the how. So. Uh, I'm curious because we got, I think, 12, 10 to 12 episodes again, right? And and now we know there's time jumps coming. There's each arc is a year, whatever. All you, you go find the, the myriad interviews out there with the team. I I would be worried about that a little bit, if not for how they handled the, the arcs here. Even though mm. one year-ish, you know, whatever, it's a straight story. Each, you know, three-episode arc or the two-episode arcs, even episode seven fits, it fits in everything fits in with everything, but you know, they handle it so well, they do come off as little mini movies and stories set within the same story. So I'm really confident going in that we are going to get a little bit more of what you and I are talking about. And I don't mean surface level, like just canon trivia answers, but just like, Oh, that, oh, that's a Y wing in action. That, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and how it factors into the building and the rebellion and the final breaking points. I think it's going to be a great intersection of the things we love and the things we're learning. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's it, it's th- things that I'm just like interested in for the details of how did the rebellion come together, but it, they're layered with meaning, right? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Bale and and Ahsoka as Fulcrum are bringing cells together. Is that under Luthen's control as well, or not? I, yeah. Right now, it seems like not. It seems like Mothma eventually takes over the network that Luthen has built and that's like some functional stuff, but it, but more importantly, it's, it's ideas. It's of, uh, Moth was saying, hey, thanks Luthen, but I'm not going to run it the way that you did, you know? Yeah. And, and finding, I don't think Luthen is around a tree in Endor. So finding out what Luthen's end is and what that says about his philosophy, that stuff's all fascinating too. Yeah. Yeah. Final big one for me is I kind of love that we ended up, you know, following, uh, Cassian being imprisoned in, in lots of different ways and is sort of, you know, what the Empire has looked down their nose and made lower class, mm-hmm. lower power, lower uh, money. We've, we've been seeing Cassian imprisoned in, in that way. And we've seen Mothma, you know, imprisoned in, in almost a literal ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so anxious for them to meet. And now with everything we've built up with, mm-hmm. the, if you can look at this season as, Cassian loses his mom and, and Mothma in a way loses her child. Hmm. What is Cassian and Mothma's relationship is going to, is that going to be? Do they find a lost child and a lost parent in one another? Is there greater depth to this than, you know, Rogue One has time to show us? I love that idea. I love that take. Um, yeah. The, the upstairs, downstairs meeting that that's, that's great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause I mean, he, he seems like he's, he's, you know, he's at Yavin, he's all in, he's high up, you know, he's got a relationship with Mothma. What is it? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Very excited for that. Uh, and as always, then we wrap up with some fun of what merch we want based on these episodes. Mm. All right. So I, I've seen, I think we do need some, some funerary bricks. Uh, you can put your own personalized name on it. That's a little weird, but okay. Um, uh, I do want, I want a cinema scenes. I want Lita and Steak and Skulden. I want the, <laughs> the meeting. Call it, call it the arrangement. I don't know. I want that. I want that figure. It's such a, give me, give me Davo, give me uh, his wife, uh, Rune Skulden. Uh, put them all there. Mothma, Perrin. I want, I want those six figures in a, in a living room setting. 
Oh, that is an absolutely great choice. Um, I want both the Cassian jacket that he's wearing as an actual jacket and, and that Cassian figure eventually. That That's kind of a realistic one. We'll get it. Love the cinema scenes, the three action figure packs. Uh, what I want is for that is I want uh, Dedra and Cyril in their horribly awkward moment. And then there's a little plastic wall and Mosk drinking alone outside. Yeah. Three action figures. Great, beautiful scene. Uh, but the biggest thing that I deeply want I, I talked about it before. I want an actual old school alarm clock that is the time grappler, you know, banging on that metal to wake you up. But now to advance it, you know, when you hit the snooze button, time grappler lets you snooze like twice. The third time, he kicks a stormtrooper off the top of the alarm clock and beans you in the head with it to wake you up. Oh, this is great. This is one I'd, I'd have to be single to have, I think. Uh, I wouldn't have <laughs> well in the house, but I would love that. Gong, gong. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, this is one I would absolutely purchase, probably wouldn't use. Yes, absolutely. Let's be honest. Let's be, you know, realistic and gritty like Andor. That's great. All right. Any final thoughts, Ken? Uh, no, fun discussion. Discussing, uh, this is always, but... Um, yeah, you know, as, as time goes on, I, I I love this show, and, and there was just some struggles I got into my head about, and and still in my head, I'm I'm still kind of got some fire in my uh, heart about some of the discourse around the show, but it's not mm-hmm. about the show. Uh, the show has been an absolute uh, thrill, a tension-filled thrill, and a and a heavy thrill, but it's been a thrill every week, and it's some of the best stuff we've we've gotten thus far, and I think that's accurate and true, and uh, an opinion to be clear, but uh, I, I love it, and, and I'm gonna miss the show, and can't wait till it comes back. Yeah, uh, I, I feel the same way. I think there's some still some things that I need to work through in process, but I think that's a little bit more about um, how we talk about Star Wars, how we talk about storytelling, what we value and what we don't, all that kind of stuff. But and or like all the Star Wars shows for me, I've got like one or two things like ah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But the big picture is really blown away by it. I think it is such a, a great uh, and, and thrilling deep dive into characters, really getting to know the characters who are caught up in all this ideology. So we know them, so we care about them, so we we get confused about how we feel about them. And it takes all these great big Star Wars ideas and makes them very real and very visceral in a way that it, it, you can't look away from. And I think that's a great triumph. Yeah, agreed. And with that, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Hey, thanks for listening during this season. We know shows like this bring a little extra ears. So, uh, hey, if you want to stick around, we're the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Hive at Force Center. Drop the pod for that one there. One uh, Facebook as well, Force Center Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. At the time of this recording, we're going to be doing a live show tonight. You might be listening to this episode while watching the live show. Uh, <laughs> but bear with us. We're doing a live show on our YouTube channel. And more content specific to YouTube is coming down the pipeline. We're working on some cool things. We can't wait to tell you. And uh, don't don't miss it. Subscribe and hit that notification bell. We've been trying to reach uh, 6,500 subscribers and we're putting that call to action out there and, and we're getting closer and closer and closer starting in those small numbers like Nemec would say any action is a move forward here on our growth <laughs> and we're doing that uh, thanks Nemec uh, you can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center podcast available in a lot of different spots including Acast iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts, and of course, Apple and Spotify, the big ones out there too. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. You can find me at Ken Napsock across all social media platforms and uh, go to my website, kennapsock.com. Black Friday is coming. If you like to shop and consume, I'll be selling my book, Why We Love Star Wars, directly through my website. A personalized copy uh, can be had if you'd like. So that's that. Just where can they find and follow you? 
Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Hive. I'm having a lot of fun on Hive, and uh, my handle on all of them is just at Joseph Scrimshaw, so find me there. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I'm doing more short films, more comedy stuff, so come find me there. You can just go to YouTube and search Joseph Scrimshaw as well. Uh, With the holidays coming up, I'll probably be promoting some of my comedy albums, which are available on Bandcamp. You can also go to Bandcamp and search Joseph Scrimshaw. Just try putting my name in different websites and see what happens. I'd appreciate it. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. We have so much fun with these shows, and the Andrew Report uh, has been extra fun because of the just uh, the complexity and the excitement in the community. So thank you all for joining us for now. That is it for myself, for Ken, for the grunt of the time grappler. This has been the Andor Report. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.